Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, what's up, everybody? Let's do it. Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily heading into a huge weekend for sports fans finishing up the uh, Winter Olympics. And of course, we have the Jets and Oilers tomorrow afternoon, Saturday, 3 p.m. here in Winnipeg. And then Monday afternoon, family day, the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames. Um, We've got a great show coming up. Joe Piscucci, noted Winnipeg sports historian, is going to join the program. We'll certainly get Joe's take on what's happening with the Winnipeg Jets as of late. But Joe also has been working for a long time on a really interesting story on the first black player in Winnipeg Blue Bombers history. And uh, as it's Black History Month, we thought this would be a perfect time to get Joe on the program to talk about that. So in about 20 minutes or so, we'll have Scooch come on. Um, And this is going to be really interesting. We've got some video from the 40s of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as well as some cool photos. Um, And of course, we'll get Joe's take on the latest with the Winnipeg Jets. Tons of Jets talk, though, coming up. Uh, Ken Weeb will be on the program. Uh, I'm going to say a little bit later on, probably in about 45 minutes or so, Uh, We'll get Weeb's World's reaction to uh, back-to-back wins for the first time since the beginning of the calendar year for the Winnipeg Jets. A big two points last night against the Seattle Kraken, as well as setting up what's going on against the Edmonton Oilers tomorrow afternoon. And speaking of the Oilers, uh, anytime the Jets and Oilers go head-to-head, usually my pal Dustin Nielsen and I will have a few chats. I jumped on his program earlier today and We'll get the latest on the resurgent Oilers unbeaten under their new head coach, Jay Woodcroft, later on in the 2 o'clock hour of the program if you're watching live on YouTube. And then, of course, we'll finish it off with a world-famous Winnipeg Sports Talk marble race with some great prizes prizes, excuse me, from our friends at Canadian Club. As always, a big thanks to our sponsors. Let me just take a quick shot of Diet Pepsi. I'm yeah. losing my voice here, here. Before you go in, Huss, we do have... I'll just chime in real quick so you can gather Please yourself. Please do. Thank we you. Do, we, we do have some breaking Jets news, actually. Um, they've claimed... Here, let's get myself on here. They've claimed... Let me guess. It, did they claim Adam Brooks? Yeah, they claimed Adam Brooks. Oh, I was talking about that last night. I thought that might happen. Yeah, well, he was waived, what, by... Vegas and then Toronto claimed him, and then Toronto put him on waivers immediately. Now the Jets have claimed him, and... I mean, the Jets' injuries are adding up. Cole Perfetti hurt yesterday. Andrew Kopstad. So they need some guys who can play in the NHL. He's from Winnipeg. He played for the Regina Pats. I mean, he's got 11 points in 29 games in his career. I think one of those came against Winnipeg, if I recall. I got to double check that. I think you're right. But uh, I remember him scoring against the Jets. Uh, I'll, I'll have to remember double check but yeah they so they made a move off the top of the show so uh, that's coming out like a minute ago the Jets tweeting it Elliot Friedman uh tweeting it so uh they need they need some NHL caliber bodies he's from Winnipeg it's kind of cool we don't have too many guys from Winnipeg or Manitoba suiting up for the Jets anywhere it's mostly uh Minnesota yeah exactly you know this is a, this is great uh, and you know we were talking about this last night that that might be something that the Jets consider doing right now because unfortunately yeah uh, you can add another name to the, re, to the injury list after last night's game. Um, you know, Brooks, you mentioned a five-year star in the Western Hockey League with the Regina Pats, was overlooked by in his draft, I, I think maybe twice, certainly at least once. Ended up was picked out in the fourth round by the Leafs in the 2016 uh, draft. 
Played for the Marlies for a while, made an NHL debut seven games in the 2019-20 season. Played another 11 games last year with four goals and one assist and in, in, uh, for five points in five games. And then this year has sort of been bouncing around the waiver wire. He's played with the, uh, was with the Leafs, played seven games with the Vegas Golden Knights, played four games with the Montreal Canadiens, five games in the American League, and now coming home for a chance to uh, help fortify the bottom six for the Winnipeg Jets in the aftermath of uh, last night's win over the Seattle Kraken. I just do want to give a quick thanks to our sponsors as we get things going. F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery. I hear it's National Battery Day today. We'll talk about that a little later on. Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Cool Bet Canada. And uh, Remo, a big part of the uh, acquisition on waivers of Adam Brooks, and I think why a number of people thought that that might be um, a, a possibility for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, the fact that Andrew Kopp missed last game and is still day-to-day -day right now. And Coach Dave Lowry mentioned that Cole Perfetti, after getting hit by Jamie Alexiak, is day-to-day, uh, -day, but a little bit longer. Um, so I, we don't expect Perfetti to be playing in tomorrow's game, um, which, of course, opens up another spot in the top six with Nikolai Ehlers now skating every second day, but still apparently a ways away from returning to the lineup. So lots going on with the Winnipeg Jets going into uh, this big weekend with a home game against the Oilers and then a road game against the red-hot Calgary Flames coming off last night's big win over the Kraken. Yeah, and we'll get into last night's game real quick. Uh, I do want to clarify, Adam Brooks' first career point was against the Jets. I knew that. He's got uh, in six games, actually, three assists. So, um, you know, maybe... Playing against uh, at home will work for him, so who knows. But as far as uh, the injury report, that was the big news today's practice. I mean, you can go down the list. Cop day-to-day, -day, didn't play last night. Perfetti, as you said, upper body, longer than day-to-day. -day. Uh, Dylan Sandberg, skating with the injured players, still limited. CJ he's closer, but they don't really know how soon. And Ehlers, everyone asks about him daily. He's skating every other day on his own and not close to ramping up. And we did get some good news. The Gus bus, David Gustafson, activated, assigned to the Moose. And shout out to Ken, Scott, Murat uh, for keeping, uh, Mike, uh, all those guys for keeping us updated uh, on those. It's been a hectic, hectic morning here, but a lot of news coming out of Jets uh, well, camp. You know what I mean? A hectic week and a bizarre week. I mean, four home games with four different home start times. But um, the one that went at 7 o'clock last night was, um, you know, not a great first period for the Winnipeg Jets, down to nothing. Uh, and Remo, I had been talking plenty about, you know, the need for some depth scoring to sort of step up and help with the Winnipeg Jets. And holy smokes, I mean, Adam Lowry, we've discussed him. I mean, he's doing a lot of things, just hadn't been getting on the scoreboard very often. You know, springing a two-on-one shorthanded in the final half minute of the first period, down 2 nothing to the Kraken with a beautiful setup to Dominic Tony Nato, who made no mistake to score. Just a huge boost for the Winnipeg Jets heading into the dressing room. And they came back uh, out for the uh, second stanza and really built upon that. Got back into a game, tie game. Blake Wheeler with a beautiful pass to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Incredible shot over the shoulder of Philip Grubauer. And then it was the captain scoring to go ahead. Seattle did tie it, but late in the game, Josh Morrissey uh, with the eventual game winner on a great play by Christian Reichel. And, I, you know, Reichel was a guy, I listened to the guys after the game when the Kenny and Rennie, and they had some great conversations. Not a lot of talk about Reichel. And I think that was a, a an under-reported 
part of the game last night. He was phenomenal playing in Andrew Cobb's spot along with Adam Lowry and Christian Veselainen. And then moving up into the spot on the second line when Cole Perfetti was injured. And it took all of one shift for him to make an impact, passing to Kyle Connor, who made a quick dish over to Josh Morrissey, who made no mistake and scored the winning goal. So, um, you know, it, we're getting some chipping in from that bottom six. I thought Reichel had a great game. Obviously, Lowry and Tony Nato, a big part of it. And once again, the big boys up front, led by the captain, continue to lead the way and not. Uh, a huge two points. I mean, we know what happened on Monday. Uh, if, you know, after the win against the Minnesota Wild, if, you know, they'd come back and lost in regulation to the Seattle Kraken, I mean, that would have been the old one step forward, two steps back. Uh, but now, a little bit of momentum, 4-1-1 one, one coming out of the All-Star break, heading into a monster game against the very hot Edmonton Oilers tomorrow. Yeah, I was I was ready for all my anti-Jets takes. So this... You know, look at Calgary. They're a good team. You know, they play back-to-back, too, and they dominated Anaheim. I was, you know, the Jets, they just can't. They're just too inconsistent, Hus, but they proved me wrong there. Uh, and I agree, that goal, uh, DeMello up the boards to Lowry, to Tony Nato in the net. I mean, that was absolutely huge. Shorthanded, you know, you think you're behind the eight ball, already down two in the first, but then you start the second, you're only down one, and it just takes one pass. And Wheeler, who's been absolutely on fire uh, the last bit here, Passes to Pierre-Luc Dubois, who sniped one over Grubauer. And his Wheeler again. I mean, Blake Wheeler, just some numbers here. In his last four games, three goals, eight assists, 11 points. In his last 19 games, the guy's got 27 points. Uh, it's been absolutely incredible, Huss. And he was asked by Mike McIntyre after the game about this. I have we the We got to get this clip. Do you have the clip? It's ready to go. Okay, okay let's play. This is from the post game last night uh, after the Jets win over the Kraken. Yeah, here we go. Blake, you told us earlier in the year, once you kind of got going and the, the goals started coming, you felt that maybe the floodgates would open. You got 27 points in your last 19, 11 this week alone. Um, is there any one thing that you can point to as why things are going so well for you right now? I mean, is this anything new? Uh, I don't mean that arrogantly. I just mean that, um, you know, I, I I just have a lot of confidence in uh, the guys I play with, you know, I play a lot of minutes and I just feel like in time it's going to come. Um, haven't really gotten off to good starts the last couple of years and um, just st- stuck with it. And, um, you know, those those things really don't mean a whole lot to me. And I said those things at the beginning of the year, too. It's uh, it's about contributing to wins and that's what feels good. You know, ultimately, if you're if you're productive and um you're losing, what does it matter? So uh, it's nice to play well with, when the team's playing well and when we're winning. <laughs> All-time quote yeah. from Wheeler last night. And listen, Wheeler at times can be prickly, and he's got a very interesting relationship with the media and the guys that are asking the questions. Um, but listen, he's got a bit of swagger right now with the way that he's playing and certainly putting up the points. And to the bottom line of what he said, it is about winning hockey games, and he's been a big, big part of that. And Listen, I know there's the Joe and Winnipegs out there that are always trying to, you know, take shots at him. But, I mean, you just rolled out the numbers. Um, you know, this guy is, he's leading the way for the Winnipeg Jets last night. And he did it again last night. A big goal, big assist. And, you know, a five-point game on Saturday. A four-point game two nights ago. A two-point game last night. Um, I mean, he would be the hottest player in the National Hockey League, I'm pretty sure, over the last week. Um, so, a bit of a, a bit of a hilarious response to it, but 
I think it speaks to the confidence that he does have in his team. And um, I'll tell you what, you know, you can say, have that swagger and maybe go back a little bit at the media all you want if you're getting the results because it's about winning right now. Um, the team's had some big wins. They avoided what would have been a devastating loss last night. He was a big part of it. And uh, you know what? He was taking a lot of heat earlier this season, and I think justifiably so. I mean, he himself said it was a really slow start, and it has compounded a lot more when the team's not winning and for a good portion of the time they weren't and had some underwhelming results. But right now, coming out of the break, this is the most important point of the season. This team had to get some wins. and They had to rise to the challenge of some of the top teams in their division. They've done that. He's been leading the way. So uh, full marks for last night's presser for the captain. And uh, we all get a good laugh for him. And the funniest part of what the entire thing is, if you watch it, Morrissey is doing his best not to just explode laughing. I mean, yeah. the look on his face when Wheeler dropped that line was my favorite part about it all. Yeah, Morrissey, yeah, you can see him trying to hold it and he's kind of like going like like this or something. And and here are the, the lines, uh, you know, the splits here on Blake Wheeler's season. Mike McIntyre tweeted this out. First 15 games, he had five points, zero goals, five assists. And then the last 19 games, 27 points, five goals and 22 assists. <laughs> And I've seen people on social media get on him for, you know, not scoring goals. Blake Wheeler is not a goal scorer. He's like a 20 goal, 50 assist guy or 70 assists, which he's had had before. I mean, he kind of reminds me of, you know, the Henrik Sedin stat line who would have like 10 goals and 100, 100 points. Uh, I mean, he's <laughs> an elite passer. You saw it uh, earlier this week in the Wednesday game, you know, setting up Mark Shifley, having four assists. And there he was putting it on. Dubois tape. Now that was an incredible shot by Dubois, but I mean, Wheeler knows how to find guys and set him up for goals. And he is, I mean, these guys are on, are on fire right now. And you got, you got goals from every line last night, the Lowry Tonernato, <laughs> you know, Kyle Connor. Uh, I've never seen anyone hustle that hard for an empty puck with 0.4 seconds left, but his, <laughs> and his goal, I mean, with, with teaming up with Christian Reichel was incredible as well. Oh, sorry. Morrissey's game winner, the Connor setup. Um, but yeah, all the lines were clicking. And that's what we need here if you want to see if the Jets want to uh, get back in the playoffs. And, you know, we're kind of watching the standings. They're close. They got some help last night from the Oilers. You know what? We'll get to the standings in just a second. The Connor, the Connor empty netter, which yeah. anyone that had like a Jets puck line bet or something was uh, praising his hustle to uh, get that one in with less than a second left. But my God, Remo, what did that remind you of? Jake <laughs> Evans. I mean, that literally was the exact same play. And Connor, to his point, went in, slid it into the net, and then went behind the net, I guess, to avoid what happened um, in the playoffs. And, you know, the cracking in a game, I mean, it wasn't a playoff game. I don't think the intensity was there. They knew they lost. Uh, it didn't happen. But um, that was eerily similar to the play that ended up leading to the Mark Shifley suspension that uh, ended the Jets season last year and kept him out of the lineup for the uh, opening game of uh, this campaign. Yeah, Kyle Connor, I mean, those uh, those come out, uh, sorry, you look at the end of the year stat line, I mean, you see him close to 50 goals, you're not going to think, oh, that one with 0.4 seconds left, but I know all fantasy players appreciated that, everyone who had the Jets puck line, everyone's appreciating, that's why you play to the whistle, incredible hustle, there, um, do you give a shout out? Uh, Dylan DeMello has he's played pretty well the last week. He rewarded yep. last night two assists. I mean, the defense, no, no injuries, but the forwards going to be a bit challenged here. Um, with you know, the with uh, Perfetti going out yesterday after being hit by Alexa Cop. 
now out. So we'll wait and see. Um, they're playing the Oilers tomorrow. Um, I do see in chat uh, from D. Kingsey that Pugliarvi's out now four weeks for them, and he scored last night, and I had to leave the game. So we'll wait and see hmm. what happens. But, I mean, the Jets playing well. This is what you said, Huss. You know, three out of every five. They did step one, and now you got this game against uh, Seattle last night. Well, and, and that game last mm-hmm. night, Remo, we went through kind of the just looking short term into the next five games last night, and mm-hmm. you had the Kraken at home, albeit on the second end of back-to-back, but it's still the Kraken at home. Not that the Jets have done very well beating bad teams at home this year, but they need to. Uh, Edmonton tomorrow, who's red hot right now, 9-2-1 and one in their last, um, what, dozen games. The Calgary Flames, the hottest team in the West right now, on the road on Monday. And then a massive road game in Dallas against the Stars, who are playing quite well, beat the Avalanche in Colorado earlier this week. And then the Avalanche on the road. So they had to have this game last night. Um, you know, they need to continue to win. They need to continue to get points. Um, but it, it would have been devastating for this team, considering what they've been able to do against the Wild in this homestand, you know, over the course of last week and this week. You know, to have two blemishes against teams that probably on paper they really should beat. Chicago Blackhawks didn't go their way on Monday, but they got it done last night. And hey, we got to give some credit to Eric Comrie. I didn't think he had a great start, but neither did the Winnipeg Jets. But, you know, as we've seen at other times this year, Eric Comrie battling through and, um, you know, picking up the win. And after those first two went in, he stood tall. Remus, um, nothing got by him. And uh, until, of course, the tying goal on what you couldn't fault him at all. I mean, just a tap in from Jordan Eberle, um, who got kind of, you know, into a spot outside of Josh Morrissey and tapped it in. Um, but listen, this was not a defensive masterpiece by the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, certainly in the first 10 minutes, I mean, a couple of the goals that went in, um, you know, many of the same stories. You, know, you wonder where certain guys were, or maybe a little closer attention to detail. Uh, but as I know, Scooch is going to say right now, I don't think anyone's complaining about wins because if they don't win these these hockey games, we're not talking about meaningful games going into next month right now. And it was a big win. They needed a performance from their backup goaltender and they got it. And I was at the game last night, the 200s facing the bench. We never saw Connor Hellebuck until the celebration after the game. I wasn't even sure that he showed up to the rink because he wasn't on the bench the entire night. Oh, wow. Well, Eric Comrie, I think there was a lot of talked about him and he hasn't played a lot this year. Has he's played um, nine or ten games here? Sorry, nine games, uh, five, two, and one. But look at this: nine, one, six save percentage, two, two, four, one goals against. So when he's played, his numbers have been very good. And we thought that he would get. You know, they don't announce such a mystery who the goalie is going to be. They don't <laughs> don't like to announce it. But it's pretty clear this was an Eric Comrie game. And when his number's been called called on this year, uh, he's played pretty well. And he's got a winning record, solid goals against, and a save percentage. So I wonder if we'll see more of him. But I think he's proving a lot of people that he's definitely a capable NHL uh, backup goalie. Yeah, just quickly, I know there's some people that missed the first few minutes of the show and are asking about Adam Brooks. Yeah, some breaking news. Adam Brooks, Winnipeg native, has been picked up off waivers by the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, just you know, released in the last few minutes, for those of you that are with us live on YouTube. Um, you know, he's played with, well, he was with Toronto, hasn't gotten into a game this year. Uh, he has also played with Montreal and Vegas this year and, um, you know, we'll join it because unfortunately, as Remus just updated Cole Perfetti day to day, potentially, you know, through the next little while cop day to day as well. Nikolai Ehlers not returning anytime soon. 
Uh, so that's the situation. Hey, Dallas Pauls, what's up? Thanks for the super chat, Dal. Have a great long weekend, Huss and Remus. And we'll say back at to, to you as well as everybody else with us. <clears throat> joining us on youtube that's good karma for your marble later on dallas we'll see uh, we'll see what happens at the end of the program um but remus let's get to those standings you mentioned it um you know a couple wins in back-to-back -back nights can really change the way things look um the jets have now creeped up to four games above nhl 500 22 18 and 8 on the season with 52 points they're just two points back of the Dallas Stars, who are in Chicago tonight. Dallas does have one game in hand on Winnipeg after the Jets played last night. And if you look at the conference overall, Oilers actually did the Jets, <clears throat> I would say, somewhat of a favor last night, beating the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, when I look at the conference, I really do think that Vegas, Calgary, and Edmonton are going to be those three teams. So the teams the Jets need to catch are the Ducks, the LA Kings, and most importantly, the Dallas Stars, because if you can't get into fifth place in the Central Division, you don't even have a shot at being with the second wild card right now. We'll see what happens with Nashville. I mean, they're still in a pretty comfortable spot, 11 games above 500, although they've got a tough game tonight in Carolina. Um, but a good start coming out of the All-Star break was mandatory for the Winnipeg Jets. They wanted to get into it and avoid their only opportunity to win 11 of 12 games. And uh, that one last night, they had to have Reem. And uh, a lot of different players stepped up after a underwhelming first period and um, helped them get a mandatory two points. Yeah, I mean, I see Anaheim ahead of them, but the Jets actually have a better win percentage than Anaheim in three less games. I agree. Dallas is the team, and you look at the schedule, they have two pretty important games coming up against Dallas, so you're going to need to ideally win, ideally win those, but you can also not, not lose. You know, a clean win, two points. I mean, if you get the two and one, sure. And they did lose in overtime on Friday, but I think those games, uh, I don't want to say, those are going to be the big ones that really determine um, if the Jets can catch uh, Dallas. So, you know, we'll wait and see. There's, you know, 30 games left here, and you know, maybe Nashville shows enough for real. Anaheim kind of faltering here. Uh, L.A., curious about both them. So, I mean, this is what we're going to be watching uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, uh, if you're wondering about the playoff odds, which were 10% um, <clears throat> two days ago, um, Money Puck has the Jets up to 26.3% to make the playoffs. Dallas is at 44.2%. Edmonton's at 66, and again, different sites have different numbers, so take these with a grain of salt. Um, and they actually have the LA Kings at a higher probability to make the playoffs right now than the Edmonton Oilers. Um, bottom line is, we'll have some fun kicking around these numbers, um, but the numbers not rising if they're not getting points against teams like the Seattle Kraken. And uh, going to set up a big one tomorrow night, Reem, uh, the return of our old pal Evander with his new team and uh, you know, uh, an Oilers squad that it's so strange. They're nine, two and one in their last dozen games. Those two losses were the two regulation losses coming out of the all-star break that ended up getting Dave Tippett fired. Yeah. And they've been pretty hot since uh, Todd Woodcroft or sorry. That's the one that was on, on the Jets. Woodcroft, Jay, 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 Jay Woodcroft. Woodcroft. Yeah. Took over. Uh, they won yesterday against, uh, against Edmund, against Anaheim. And as I said, Pugliarvi, he scored, but is injured, and he's going to be out a couple weeks. So I'm curious what the lines are going to be. They did Dreisaitl, Alkane yesterday, and Hyman, McDavid, I think Yamamoto filled in. So, I mean, Edmonton's kind of coming on strong here since the change. Again, another another big game. Nice afternoon, as afternoon tell those. You said four-game homestand every game at a different time. I don't know, well, like, where the stats and records are on that, but this has to be 
some some kind That's of That's never happened in Jets history before, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Well, one person I know that can answer that uh, is going to be coming up in just a second, our guy, uh, our guy Joe Piscucci. Uh, so, yeah, 3 p.m. tomorrow. Um, I'll actually be jumping on with Kelly Moore tomorrow uh, just after 1 o'clock for a few segments to get things going on the CGOB pregame show. Looking forward to that. Uh, but we'll get Joe's thoughts on the Jets and a really cool story for Black History Month on the first ever Black Blue Bomber. But just before we do that, uh, Remo, should mention, and I tweeted this out, great moment last night in the building. Um, the Winnipeg Jets and the fans congratulated Everett Fitzhugh, who's the uh, voice of the Seattle Kraken, along with JT Brown, former NHL player, as the first all-black broadcast team in NHL history. They did the game together yesterday. Perfect time to do it in Black History Month. And um, beautiful ovation from uh, everyone in attendance, which, by the way, was a pretty good crowd, too. And I know there's a lot of worry about that 6 o'clock game against Minnesota. was much better last night. Um, hopefully that will continue. Uh, but overall, really cool moment last night in uh, what ended up uh, sending most of the fans home in a very, very good mood. All right, but Joe Piscucci coming up right now. I do want to give a big thanks to our friends at F Apparel down at 190 Smith Street downtown, locally owned and cranking out the custom suits. You see a lot of the Jets wearing to the games, the best custom suits at amazing prices here in Winnipeg for men. Uh, they got it all, suits, dress shirts, winter jackets, casual chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. Every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great, and F's custom-made suits start at just $400. If you have a graduate coming up this year, a high school graduate, you can uh, get them down to F Apparel, and they've got a great offer for high school graduates. Um, if you bring your current high school ID to F, you'll get a free custom dress shirt and tie with any suit order. That means you can get a custom-made suit shirt and tie for as little as $3.99. Go down and see them at 190 Smith Street or check them out online, ephfapparel.com. It is heart month, and Vita Health Fresh Market is uh, loaded as your place to go. Stock up for healthy heart-healthy supplements and feuds at Vita Health Fresh Market, as well as Winnipeg's best selection of natural and organic supplements, groceries, and beauty products, not to mention delicious lunch options if you're on the go. Grab and go Vita Market salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. You can join Vita's VIP exclusive list by texting Vita VIP to 1-877-630-1970 to receive special offers all year long and be entered to win a $100 Vita Health gift card. Now with seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, check them out online at myvita.ca. And uh, our friends at Culligan Water continue to be the go-to people for all things water in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. Family owned and doing it for 65 years. They've got it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention city-wide water delivery services. They're the experts in all things water, even for your business, commercial and industrial water products and solutions uh, available as well. Give them a call. Keenan the gang are ready for you. and It'll help you out with whatever you need. 204-694-5180. Or you can visit them at 1200 Sargent Avenue or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. All right. Lots of Jets talk coming up. Ken Weeb in a little bit. Dustin Nielsen setting up tomorrow's Jets-Oilers game towards the end of the program. But right now, let's welcome in our guy, Joe Piscucci, who joins us, uh, longtime global sports director. 
And uh, you can see in, in the background a 32 jersey, 32 years being the go-to guy and really has become the preeminent Winnipeg sports historian. Make sure to follow him <laughs> at Pascucci015 on Twitter. Just, I mean, so many fun clips and videos of old Winnipeg sports. And we're going to talk about a really cool story that sort of coincides with Black History Month on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But Joe, first off, welcome to the program. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Um, and Jets won last night, so I'm obviously in a good mood. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, got let my me exercise you, in today. Let me ask you about that Jets game just before we get into this bomber story. I mean, we've had a few conversations as of late about um, just how puzzling this team is. And, yep. you know, we knew what was at stake for them coming out of the break. I mean, they had to get some wins, they had to stack up some points. And I'll tell you what, if you had told me that through six games, they would be four, one, and one, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. That's pretty much the way they needed to start. It is continues to be confounding that the one loss was a home regulation <laughs> loss to maybe the worst team of all the clubs that they've had. But the way that they've risen to the occasion against the Minnesota Wild and that big comeback win last Saturday against Nashville has been huge. And obviously being led by... Um, you know, an absolutely offensive explosion from Captain Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley. And I think we all know this team not going anywhere if those guys weren't uh, going to, you know, uh, light it up. Yeah, exactly. And as I said last night on Twitter, you know, for my sake of my, you know, high blood pressure in my heart, I don't care anymore about how they play or how certain players play or don't play very well, Mark Shifley. <laughs> and I just want the wins. I don't care how they get them, just win. And I know you've got all the stats and you look, I'm not even looking at the standings. I just think that the Jets can't afford any more than 10 outright losses the rest of the season. They've already got one, so it's only down to nine now if they're going to make the playoffs. If they got to get to into the mid 90s, maybe the high 90s in points. And to do that, they can't afford any more than 10 outright losses coming out of that all-star break, and they've already thrown one away. But, you know, last night, it's great, and it's great to see Blake Wheeler doing what he's doing. It's great to see Mark Shifley uh, scoring. Uh, you know, just wish he'd be a little more defensive conscious. It <laughs> make me feel a little bit better, but like I said, I, I don't care anymore. I just want them to win. Yeah, well, I mean, that was pretty much the uh, <laughs> the consensus of everyone at the barn last night and walking out. And, uh, you know, I think they're, you know, listen, they've done what they needed to do to get themselves into, you know, some positive momentum right. after a real disappointing way to end it. And, you know, the team has not been able to put back-to-back -to -back wins together, never mind getting on a run really since the beginning. Of, well, I mean, Dave Lowry, I guess they won on the 19th of December. Had yeah. two weeks off, won the first couple coming out of the break and then got pumped by the abs and it's sort of been up and down. And, you know, certainly there's been a few games that stick out where points have been left on the table. Um, So you got to make some up. And I think they did that last Saturday night in Nashville. Um, And certainly the two home wins against the Minnesota Wild are also huge for the team and the confidence level to know because, you know, the schedule is not full of home dates against Chicago and Seattle going forward. I mean, we went through. But maybe and, that's a good thing. Maybe yeah, that's a good I was thing. Just about to say, I mean, when we've seen the Jets play at their best, they have been raising their level to some good teams so far. Right. And they're going to have the opportunity to do that over the course of these next four games, beginning with the Oilers and Calgary Flames. I mean, right now, I mean, I'm really looking forward to that game on yeah. Monday afternoon because I mean, you want to talk about the difference that goaltending and a coach can do. 
I mean, the season that Jacob Markstrom having and what Daryl Sutter has done so far with Calgary has made them one of the more intriguing teams, at least at this point, into the second half of the season. Yeah, definitely. Calgary is just uh, just amazing to watch right now under Daryl Sutter. And, you know, for the Jets, what's the team that they've played their best games against this season? It's been the Edmonton Oilers. Maybe out of fear of being embarrassed by Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but they've played their best hockey against those against the Edmonton Oilers. So I'm really uh, looking forward to Saturday's game, see if that can continue. Um, but, you know, they got to win their home games. Uh, you were mentioning about the the homestand. And I did this stat uh, about, a, about a year ago under Paul Maurice, during the Paul Maurice reign, when the Jets had homestands of four games or longer, they have a losing record. They're actually very wow. poor. They're very poor in... <clears throat> Overall, in the, in their history, when Paul Maurice took over in homestands of longer than four games, they they're I think they're like a forty percent. They win forty percent of those games and lose about sixty. So it's not very good. I hope they can change that under Dave Lowry and start winning those home games if they have a lot of uh, you know homestands left. Like I said, oh, I'm March. I'm not looking at the standings. I'm I'm not looking at the standings. I'll I'll know by the number of losses they have outright losses whether they're going to make the playoffs or not hey great to see everyone with us live on youtube hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already and make sure to hit the red subscribe hang around to the end of the program we've got some great prizes to give away also by the way do have some moose tickets to give away and uh the mikhail burden bobblehead is going to be given away on Sunday. Um, we've got four tickets for that, so so stay tuned on that. But, Joe, we're going to spend most of the show today talking Jets and hockey and what's going mm -hmm. on into the weekend. Uh, but we were speaking off air, and, of course, it is Black History Month. There was a special moment last night for the Seattle broadcast team making some NHL history. But uh, we were speaking off air, and this is just a fascinating story on – you know, I refer to you as a sports historian because you certainly are. I mean, you've got this great tenure and have seen and been involved in so many broadcasts here in Winnipeg. But we got talking about the first black player in Winnipeg Blue Bomber history. And uh, you've been doing a lot of homework for a long time. And uh, yeah. this is fascinating. It might not be what we originally thought um, that was the first player who I believe was, uh, was thought to be Johnny Regan. Johnny, uh, Johnny Regan and Bob Smith. Johnny Regan was a running back. Bob Smith was a, a lineman who would play both ways back in the, the 1940s. Was the 1947 season where those two players uh, first joined the Blue Bombers. And, and last season, if I can take last year, about a year ago, I did a story on Chris D.ca about uh, the first black jet player, which was Bill Riley. And, and I wondered at the time who who was the first black blue bomber player and how would I find that out? And Ed Tate on bluebombers.com had reached out um, to uh, Chris Sinclair, a, C a noted CFL historian, and he identified uh, Johnny Reagan and, and Bob Smith. So I started to learn more about Johnny Reagan and Bob Smith. And Johnny Reagan was involved in a very famous play in the 1947 Grey Cup game, which the Bombers lost by a point to the Argos, where um, the Bombers lined up for a field goal. It was a fake. They passed him the ball, but he wasn't across the line of scrimmage. Back in the, in, in the 1940s, the, if you're making a forward pass, the player had to be across the line of scrimmage. So he caught the ball behind the line of scrimmage in the eyes of the official. Unfortunately, he went all the way into the end zone for the touchdown, which they called back, and the Bombers ended up losing by a point. So I was you know, doing all the research on Reagan. Then I turned to Bob Smith, and I found a photograph 
in the uh, an old Winnipeg uh, Tribune edition uh, through the University of Manitoba archives, and it's a picture that uh, Remus has um, where that's the high school photo, uh, but uh, that he, of the player Bob, uh, Bob Smith, Robert E. Smith, he's identified, is brought to Winnipeg. There's that bomber head coach Jack West there greeting him, and beside him is the player. Ernie Williams, who Robert E. Smith was going to be living with. And Ernie Williams was a bomber. So I, you know, I go through my bomber media guide. There's the photograph. And that's Robert E. Smith on the left. That's head coach Jack West in the middle. And that is Ernie Williams on the right. So I go to my bomber media book and, well, there's Ernie Williams playing in 1942 and from 1945 to 1948. So he's the first player of color to play for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So now I'm looking at Ernie Williams and trying to find out everything about him. And if we can bring up that photo that Remus uh, originally, the the photo, he played a Daniel Mack. He was a running back, defensive back. And he was part of the team in 1939 for Daniel Mack that won the first city championship for that school. There he is wearing number 22 and this is from 1939 and he was playing with daniel mack again in 1940 and then in 1941 he played junior football for a team called the roamers and they won the western canada junior football championship now in 1942 because of the war the wifu the western interprovincial football union which had the bombers uh, calgary and the regina rough riders they took a break because of the war. So the Bombers decided they were going to form a three-team city league. So they dispersed a number of players, and the Bombers merged with the Roamers. So that's why Ernie Williams shows up in 1942 as playing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He doesn't play in 43 or 44. He did work, uh, I believe, as a porter for the Canadian National Railway because that's what his dad did. His dad was a porter, and I came across his dad in the 1920 census. His dad's American. His mother's American. He had four other brothers, two of them which were fighting in the war, one for the Canadian Army, another one for the American Army, and two of his other brothers were musicians. One was living in Chicago, and the other one, Omar, uh, was a noted uh, a Winnipeg up-and-coming musician and in 1946, there's a story in the Winnipeg Tribune where Omar meets Duke Ellington. Duke Ellington comes over uh, to the uh, Williams home on Banning Street and uh, has supper. And then they do a little jam session afterwards. So I'm finding out all this incredible, all this inf information about this family. And, you know, Ernie Williams didn't just play football. He played hockey. He played baseball. He was also the Manitoba light heavyweight boxing champion. <laughs> Wow. He's, so he's he's got a lot of history in Manitoba sports. And there's a there's another reference. This family, the Williams family, was well known in in uh, in Winnipeg circles. And but I'd never heard of them at all. I'd never heard of Ernie Williams. And so, you know, I was like, I gotta find out more about this guy. And 1945, he comes back, plays for the bombers, gets injured because there's a they play an exhibition game against North Dakota State, and it said that he ruptured his heel. But in 46, 47, and 48, um, you know, he's, a, he's an alternate. He's not a starter. But he's, 
he does get into games. There's a reference to, I found references to him making a, a 28 yard catch in the game against Calgary and making other defensive plays. And then, as you know, I have these archives. Uh, that yes, the, the Scoochie archives. <laughs> and so I have a color film of the Bombers playing against the Regina Rough Riders, and there it is. He's number 12. This is a play on offense, and uh, not the best of passes from Harry Hood, the Bomber quarterback, is intercepted, but that is Ernie Williams. But he mostly, in this game, he plays in the second half, and there he is on the punt return, stripping the Regina Rough Riders. They're not wearing green. They're I was just about to say, red. are we sure that's not the Calgary Stampeders? Joe, look at the unis. Uh, that's what I thought too, but no, that's the Regina Rough Riders. And there you see, that is number 12, Ernie Williams. I reached out to uh, Ed Tate and he reached out to Chris to get a roster uh, from that game. And it identified Ernie Williams as wearing number 12. The bomber book has him as wearing number 12. So I believe, you know, that that has to be Ernie Williams and Ernie Williams is the first black blue bomber. And, uh, he started playing for the team in 1942 and again from 45, to 48 got cut in 49. And, you know, from there, there's little, uh, details I found about him. He, I think he went back to Edmonton. He may have been born in Edmonton and then the family moved to Winnipeg where he, he tried out for the baseball team in Edmonton. He was an assistant coach on the uh, Winnipeg Hawkeyes juvenile city juvenile championship team in 58. Uh, there's a team photo in, in the old newspaper archives. And I actually talked to the, pl the, the player that he's standing beside Wayne Hinkle and asked if he remembered the coach, uh, you know, Ernie Williams. And he, he said, didn't remember very much about him, but he knew that he was a former Blue Bomber player. So Ernie Williams, 99% sure Ernie Williams is the first black Blue Bomber. That it is just, uh, I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, for people that, you know, love sports and the history of it, especially things before, I mean, most of us were even around, um, and, you know, with technology, I mean, now you can Google stuff. You can just sort of, I mean, it's so easy to do it. But the yeah. detective work to sort of piece all this together is a challenge. And, I mean, Joe, we're talking about the 40s here. I mean, I still laugh that Matt Dunnigan's CFL record um, passing game wasn't on television. And, I mean, the the, the yeah. video of that is very hard to find and, and, and not that great. I mean, to 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 do the, the the inspector gadget work to go all the way back and and find this sort of material is um well it's credit to you, but I mean it's a fascinating story and it just goes to show there is a lot of history of this league and particular teams that continues to be sort of unearthed. Yeah, and and I'm gonna get credit the Three Down Nation because they uh, identified Robert Ellis Jackson, uh, who played for the Regina Rough Riders in 1930 as probably the first black player in Canadian football. And Robert was a porter as well. Uh, and may have only been a part-time player for the, uh, for the Rough Riders. He played in the 1930 Grey Cup game. There's a photo, I think it was in the Globe and Mail, of the, of the Regina Rough Riders. And, you know, all the players are, I think they're in their uniforms. And Porter's in his, or uh, Jackson uh, is in his porter uniform. You know, so that, that, you know, wasn't very nice. But Jackson also played in Winnipeg in 1932 for uh, the St. John's rugby football team. So he has some connection to Winnipeg as well. But uh, Ernie Williams, 
99% sure Ernie Williams is the first black player in uh, Winnipeg Blue Bomber history. And, you know, I think he moved to L.A. with his brother, um, Omar, because there's a reference I found in the 1970 edition of the Tribune uh, where Gene Telpner, who was an entertainment reporter and who used to work for CKND when I got there in the 80s, he, he writes that Daniel Mack is having a, a high school reunion and coming back, uh, you know, coming back to it uh, for it in, coming from Los Angeles was Ernie Williams. So he was very well known um, in town, um, just someone that's somehow time forgot. And, you know, I don't think he should be forgotten. And I'm, you know, kind of happy that I was able to actually have some color film of him of him in action. It's so cool. Remo, do, do me a favor. Play that video one more time for folks that are popping in. I mean, this and, and the video is from the 47 season. Is that right? It's from the 1947 season. The Bombers would lose this game nine to one uh, to the Regina Rough Riders. And the coach, Jack West, was not very happy uh, with the way the team was playing. So he basically benched all the American imports after the first half. And that's how Ernie Williams, who was playing end in this game, He's uh, and players would go both ways. Uh, so he's playing end in this game and, you know, he gets in on a few. So fortunately, he's on this side of the field where the camera is shooting. Yeah. So you get a good idea of, you know, hey, uh, of him there. So he gets, hey, he gets how, in on a few plays. How, how rare is color footage of Canadian football league games from the forties for crying out loud? I know. Isn't it? It's like, I was shocked. It's all black and white for the most part. I mean, I, I have some bomber uh, highlights from the 1930s, from a game in 1930, a couple of games from 1937, you know, and they're coaches' films basically. But back then, they shot them like the people behind the camera are shooting them like almost like a play by play camera would. So they're tight. Now, if you get a coach's film, it's so wide, you can't see anything that's really going on on the field. So, yeah, it's very fortunate that uh, I, I just happened to have that in my files. And was able to, you know, to see and identify, you know, who Ernie Williams was and, and get a few highlights of him. Well, I mean, it's fascinating. So, I mean, the first kind of, you know, record of him being with the Bombers is 42, then 45 in. And, of course, you know, that would predate uh, any of the other players. Um, yeah. Is it safe to say, I mean, obviously, this is far before my time. Um, once you got into the late 40s and into the 50s, was um, there far more black players, uh, you know, here in Winnipeg yeah. and the well, Canadian Football League in particular? Yeah. Herb Trowick of the Montreal Alouettes in 1946 is generally recognized as the first uh, black player in uh, Canadian Canadian football. Um, and that was just a few months after Jackie Robinson had was playing for the Montreal Royals. But as Three Down Nation, you know, found uh, Robert Ellis Jackson played for the Regina Rough Riders in the 1930s. And then again, he was here in Winnipeg playing for St. John's in 1932. So that's 14 years ahead uh, of Herb. And, you know, Ernie Williams played in 1942, then again from 45 to 48. So he also uh, played earlier than Herb Trotwick, which Canadian Football League generally recognizes as the first black player in Canadian football. Well, this is just uh, such a neat story, Joe, uh, and no one does it better than you. I mean, uh, I, I could talk about this sort of thing for uh, for a long time. And the good thing is we're here every day. We've got lots of time in the future. So 
Um, let's make a point of getting back to this. I have a feeling we'll hear more about this story, especially after, you know, you've brought all of this to the table and uh, can't thank you enough for doing this. And we'll look forward to more Blue Bomber history, some Winnipeg sports history and more uh, right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk when you pop by. Yeah, if I can make one, a quick request, if anybody knows any more information about Ernie Williams and the family, uh, uh, please get a hold of me. Either, you know, message me on Twitter or at jpascucci 57 at gmail.com. So jpascucci57 at gmail.com. And I'd love to find out more about Ernie Williams and the Williams family. And by the way, for all of the you that like myself and Remus thought that that was a Fred Reed jersey in the background of Joe's, <laughs> it is in fact a Pascucci jersey, 32 years being the go-to guy for Winnipeg sports here. Uh, Joe, thanks so much for doing this. This was awesome. Uh, really respect the work that you've done on this and uh, very appreciative that you decided to come on to talk about it with us. Well, thank you, you for giving me the opportunity to tell his story. Joe, have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. All right, go Jets, go. There it is, Joe Piscucci. Follow Scooch at Piscucci015 on Twitter. Uh, the longtime sports director of Global and CKND back in the day here in Winnipeg. All right, we will get to, uh, we're going to have to put that up maybe separately. It was such an interesting piece. And thanks again to Joe for all the work that he's done. Uh, and again, if you haven't, if you're not, if maybe if you're coming in and you're not familiar with Joe, newer to Winnipeg, if you have any interest in Winnipeg Jets history, bomber history, just go through the Twitter timeline. I mean, the goal that Joe has in the Scooch archives is uh, priceless, to be perfectly honest with you, and uh, some really, really neat stuff um, out there on uh, on Twitter. All right, as Remus mentioned, National Battery Day. We, you know, we can't live without batteries, and uh, when we think of batteries, uh, it's a special day. Shout out to our friends over at Manitoba Battery because they are the premier stop for all battery needs in Winnipeg and Manitoba. Most automotive batteries priced for less than a hundred dollars with core exchange, or they'll deliver it to you anywhere in Winnipeg for 115 bucks on the same day you order it, as long as you can get your order in by 1.30 p.m. Um, you know, manitobabattery.com is the website. You can find out more great deals on cables, more things that you need to stay powered through the winter. And for you folks that might be getting on the ice, braving some of the weather for ice fishing, Manitoba Battery has all the flasher batteries you need to keep catching fish for the rest of the season. So a happy National Battery Day to our guys, Donnie, Kimbo, and the gang down at Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan Avenue. Give them a call at 783-8787. Uh, Royal Sports has a lot of cool things going on right now. Uh, you know, I know Ken's going to come on. We saw that great performance by the Jets last night, and I think it was a lot of maybe the vibes that they had from wearing those Canadian women's gold medal jerseys to the game by the Canadian players. Uh, we saw Eric Comrie, who actually wore his debut jersey to the post-game presser along with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, Dylan DeMello as well. So uh, really cool. If you're looking for maybe a, maybe you need a Marie-Philippe Poulet jersey for someone in the family, Royal Sports is where you'll get it. You can see the great display of all the Canadian unis. While you're there, check out those Blue Bomber exclusive four new Grey Cup hats that have come in. Just really, really neat. Not to mention the best selection of Jets merchandise in town. Huge hockey section, snowboards, fitness, and all the cool stuff over on the King's Skate Snow and Surf side. Hit them up on Instagram. Give them a follow at Royal Sports Pemina. And make sure you stay in touch for all the latest merchandise drops and sales over at Royal Sports. And 
Of course, a big thanks to our friends at Not Auto Corp. I mean, Not does so many things. I mean, amazing vehicles. And, you know, if you're thinking about a vehicle, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Uh, but just an amazing facility uh, between the cars. I got my car service yesterday. Shout out to Chris and the gang for uh, doing such a great job on it. Um, whatever you need automotive-wise, before you do anything, talk to our friends over at Not Auto Corp. They've got you covered. They're at Waverly and McGilvery. You can find out more online at not.ca. And of course, follow Winnipeg Car Lab on all the socials for what they've got going in the lab. All right, big win last night. Huge game tomorrow against the Edmonton Oilers at home for the Winnipeg Jets. And let's welcome in the always hydrated Ken Weeb wearing the red, <laughs> celebrating that big gold medal for our Canadian women earlier this week. Weaver, what's good, dude? Hustle's uh, great to see you, my man. Uh, I don't have the crisp jersey. The red was looking very sharp on many of those uh, Jets players walking into the arena. And definitely Eric Comrie earning some uh, some significant brownie points around our fair nation with his uh, uh, you know ta- salute and tip of the uh, cap to uh, Anne-Renee Debien and her tremendous showing between the pipes for Team Canada. Uh, excellent effort. And, man, even to... So we talk about if you can see it, you can be it all the time. How about the tweet from Kristen Campbell, uh, one of the three Manitobans on that roster from 2010 with Jennifer Botterill. You saw the young netminder holding that Olympic gold in her hand. And not only does she earn the gold medal, she's still playing with two of Jennifer Botterill's teammates this time around. Uh, Man, what a glorious moment. Uh, You love to see stories like that. I remember Jen... Uh, going around the country that year and doing those stops at schools and hockey schools and, you know, things of that nature. And, and the joy that she brought to people by letting the being in the presence of that gold medal, like, look at that. Like how That's great is so that? Cool. Right there? Like how, how amazing is that? Us? I mean, I've shared this with you before. I mean, I was at the gold medal game in 2010 in Vancouver uh, there to see Jennifer Botterill uh, have such a big impact setting up, that Marie-Philippe Poulin, GWG. Uh, she was watching it, I'm sure, this time around. And what a performance by the entire club. This was a great team effort, four lines deep. Their defense was excellent. Their goaltending was excellent. And, man, the greatest player in the world. It's so funny, Huss. Like, through about three or four games in the tournament, all the talk was, like, in 2010, when is Crosby going to score? How come Poulin hasn't scored yet? Well, she had racked up seven or eight assists. And guess what? Oh, Miss Clutch delivers once again uh, when the chips are down for Team Canada and leads them to another gold medal. Uh, I feel very fortunate and privileged to have seen her in 2010 burst onto the scene, and it was incredible to see her deliver another uh, epic performance in a gold medal game earlier this week. Well, no doubt about it, Kenny. And I mean, I've mentioned this many times on the program before, but I'm, I have a, a special place for um, just the growth of the women's game, especially here in Manitoba. And to see yeah. Kristen and that, I mean, you know, my, my experience, to be honest, I mean, I've been lucky enough to, you know, to work in a, at a lot of cool areas in the sports world. I don't think there's anything that I'm prouder of, of being a part of in the 2007 World Women's Hockey Championships. The way that our community supported that, still talking to people, I mean, maybe the best women's event that's ever taken place. I mean, I think they maybe have had a bigger venue in Ottawa, but the passion that this community had, not just for the Canada games, but for all of the games and the legacy that that event 
led to here in Manitoba with the tournament that happens, the programs for young girls hockey, and the players that we put forth. And before we move on, I know obviously we're spending a lot of time talking about Marie-Philippe Poulain and the incredible performance of Sarah Nurse, first black woman to win a gold medal for Canada. Um, but we got to talk about Jocelyn LaRocque for a minute because oh, she has become uh, such a workhorse on the blue line for Canada and is the type of player that any team, regardless of sex, needs on the blue line that is sometimes unheralded but does all those things that you need to win. And um, pretty clear how much confidence the coaching staff had in Jocelyn because she always seemed to be out there in big moments for um, for her team and could not be happier for her and everyone back in St. Anne that I'm sure is still over the moon with another gold medal coming back to her hometown in the province. Yeah, absolutely dynamite performance. Uh, and so it's so interesting to hear Megan Mickelson, who absolutely crushed it on the panel with Shannon Zabados, obviously talking about the changes the coaching staff made in terms of getting the activation from the defense core. And we know that Jocelyn Rock has always been known as more of a shutdown defender but she was also involved offensively. I loved her game. I watched the round robin game against the USA, tried to watch as much as I could during the tournament. Uh, she was fantastic. She's such a feisty player too, Huss, right? I mean, we know there's no, no officially, you can't really hit, but there's lots of body contact uh, when Jocelyn The Rock is on the ice. I thought she had a fantastic tournament uh, once again, doing what she does best. And also, you know, salute to Ast Ashton Bell. Uh, amazing job there on the back end as well. Delarain, uh, Manitoba, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out west, uh, the west uh, west side of the province. I mean, and Hoss, like you mentioned from 2007, look at all the players who rolled through the program that were watching maybe as, as, young, as teenagers they that were ended up there. being with the national team. Every young girl that was playing, I mean, they brought them, we had that tournament out in Selkirk for them to play at the games. and. I mean, the legacy of that event, at least here in the province, I mean, we're seeing right now with uh, some gold medals coming back here. And uh, I mean, it's a great story for hockey in general. Um, and, and, you know, again, this is another sort of side story when it comes to, you know, the Olympic Games and the focus on the women's game at this point. But I mean, the growth of hockey or the prevention of not a huge drop off yeah. is registration on the women's side. And uh and tell you what, they inspired a lot of young women, a lot of Canadians, never mind just women or young girls with their performance. And, you know, it's so funny. I mean, the men's tournament has been so anticlimactic and it wouldn't have been that way with, um, you know, with a best on best tournament. But in some ways, um, I'm not even sure that that's a bad thing because I think the spotlight deserves to be on these women because they don't get it outside of these big international events. And uh, our team is, uh, you know, they continue to do incredible things and be trailblazers in the sport. Yeah, well said, Hassan. You know what? When you consider what the women's game has gone through uh, over the last couple of years and sort of the challenges they've had in, in trying to get those professional leagues going, I think it is fantastic that the spotlight was shining brightly on what is an excellent game uh, and had, you know, again, we talk about rivalries all the time, amazing rivalries between Canada and the United States. And, you know, we know that there was talk earlier in the tournament, but hey, you know, there've been a lot of different bronze medalists and the game is in a great place. Uh, I love the fact that Canada and the US went head to head. Who doesn't want to watch more games like that? I mean, honestly, if you love hockey at all, tell me you were not entertained by that game. I mean, and if you weren't, then, you know, signature line, Huss, 
then you need to wake up. (laughs) That's that is excellent, excellent hockey all around. And you're right. The next step now is to be able to watch these players, not just once every four years or at the world championship. There's got to be some strides taken in terms. You've talked about it all this week in terms of the investment, invest in women, uh, invest in the product and people will not be disappointed. Well, tell you what we do need to have as well. I mean, we need a best of seven. And, 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 you know, where everyone is really paying attention. Um, and you know what, maybe it goes back and forth with home ice advantage from each country to country. But I mean, if we had a two week period every year where those two teams were going at it for, you know, essentially, uh, because I mean, the world championships, the Olympics, it always comes down to one game between these teams. And I think we all agree that that isn't enough. Um, so uh, listen, I think that things are going on the right track. There still needs to be uh, much more work done. But again, I'm glad we talked about this right off the bat because that was the story here coast to coast when it comes to this sport uh, this week. Closer to home, though, um, the Jets doing their part the last couple nights. Big win against Minnesota. And then they came back and, I mean, eerily familiar to some other games. Was not a great start. They found themselves down 2 nothing to a team that they were a big favorite over. Uh, but man, they've got it back. And to me, Ken, a big topic of this team, as much as the top guys have been scoring and Wheeler's on an absolute tear right now, has been they needed to get, you know, some contributions from the bottom six. And, you know, if this team does get back into it, I think we will look at that shorthanded goal from Adam Lowry to Dominic Toninato as a uh, as a real catalyst in the Jets moving forward. Uh, it can't be understated how big that was of a goal last night. And to the Jets' credit, they built off it, came into the second period, and um, you know, kind of took that game over. Although credit to Seattle for hanging around. But once again, uh, Christian Reichel jumping up into the second line. I thought he was phenomenal last night. You guys really overlooked him on Kenny and Rennie. He was robbed of the uh, the spotlight he should have had last night. He was spending too much time at the buffet. Uh, but bottom line is, some guys in the bottom six really chipping in, in addition to the continued strong play of the top six. Um, and the bottom line is, massive two points going into this game tomorrow. Yeah, no doubt, Huss. I'm going to dive into all those things in a moment, but kind of just piggybacking up what you had with Joe earlier. I love being in the building. <clears throat> had a chance to speak with Everett Fitzhugh and JT Brown going into the game both becoming the first uh, all-black announcing team head in that game. Those guys were both fired up about it. You could tell how passionate they were about the craft, how much it meant to them and their families, and just wanted to give them a special salute here on the show this afternoon. Uh, and, yeah, in terms of what the Jets did, Hassan, maybe you missed it earlier. Early in the show, I got on on the Reichel bandwagon very early in the show last night, so – Maybe it was just a late late addition from you. That could uh, but- be that 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 could be on me. I was wondering whether where the love was for Christian Reichel, but there was a lot of great topics and a lot of hot air. Frankly, once you got Hamilton and Billick in there last night, uh, hey, excellent! No, very very entertaining show and and pretty upbeat because I think a lot of people are upbeat about this team. Knowing you know, listen, a huge huge hill to climb, but. Tell you what, looking at 10% to make the playoffs, a couple days later, 27%. Uh, it doesn't happen without winning. And, you know, incredibly, despite the fact this team's 4-1-1 and coming out of the break, that's the first back-to-back wins the Winnipeg Jets have had since the beginning of January, Ken. It's wild. And sorry, I don't want to shortchange Dominic Tony Notto either. 
we know we've talked so much about the need for that secondary scoring and the fact that Tony Notto scores that important goal one night after looking skyward on two separate occasions. He had a backdoor tap in that was delivered by Dylan DeMello. And then he had that great rebound chance uh, after I think Adam Lowry got the puck to the net. So for him to be able to deliver that goal, <clears throat> pardon me, and for Lowry, I mean, people don't notice this. They, they just think it's a routine play. His ability to sell the shot and to get Giordano out of position that he could create the lane for the easy tap-in, that's an excellent play by Adam Lowry, who, again, we've talked about it a ton this year. He's done a lot in terms of his analytics and underlying numbers, but his offensive production hasn't been at the level we're used to seeing. He helped you know, spark and ignite the offensive attack with that play on the shorthanded effort. And the other part, too, Huss, what else have we been talking about? No production from the back end. Well, who gets the game-winning goal by joining the rush? Josh Morrissey with an absolute rocket. And Dylan DeMello, who I referenced earlier, he didn't get the assist the night before when Toninato's redirection went wide, but he picked up two important assists yesterday as well. Uh, and you're right. I mean, like I wrote in my CJOB column today, you're not planning a parade after winning consecutive games for the first time in six weeks. But if you're the Winnipeg Jets and you were nine points behind and now you're only three points behind the last playoff spot. Uh, you know, Dave Lowry was questioning my math skills earlier today. But, you know, if you're only three compared to nine, I would say the Jets have bettered their situation significantly <laughs> uh, during this last week of time. And they needed to, Huss. You talked about it. We talked about it. Eight five-game blocks. They got the one green check mark, the verification check mark. But guess what? They need seven more check marks in order to get to where they want to go. But here's the other thing. If you don't get the first check mark, your hill is even steeper to climb. So uh, the Jets deserve credit for that. And they're going to need to be sharp. Look at this next stretch of games. Edmonton, Calgary on a heater. Dallas, Colorado. And then maybe you think you got a deep breath with Arizona, but you don't want to get Vamelkid. Right. So <laughs> like, so the, there's no real soft, you know, you can call that a soft spot on the schedule, but the wild part about this run has the five, two and one run. The two losses are against a Philadelphia team that had been in the tank and a Chicago team that had lost 11 in a row against the central division. So, I mean, to, to come out here, you and I are saying it was a missed opportunity. Well, that's true, but they also supplied the only two regulation losses to a team that has only lost twice in 14 games in the Minnesota Wild. So uh, the Jets remain the great mystery, but what they've done during this stretch has taken the first important baby steps towards solving the quest for consistency. It is ongoing, but they're closer to having the answer than they were two weeks ago. Um, okay, I do want to talk about what came out of the uh, the presser today with Dave Lowry and the injuries and uh, Adam Brooks. But let's, we got to talk about Blake Wheeler. I, I'm, I'll yeah. be honest, I'm still laughing about his, uh, his presser. And listen, he has a, he has a unique way of, uh, of speaking to the media at times. Um, but that was an all time classic. And I'll tell you what, you want to pump your chest out a little bit? Now would be a pretty damn good time to do it. Five points on Saturday, four points a couple nights ago, two last night. Um, you know, his number, I mean, he's right there. He's probably the hottest player in the National Hockey League scoring league right, right now. And um, listen, it couldn't have come at a more important time. And it's not a coincidence that as 
he has, you know, cranked up the points. Mark Shifley has done as well. And we spent a lot of time saying, I mean, if the Jets want to get back into this, we're looking at Connor Hellebuck, we're looking at Mark Shifley, and we're looking at Blake Wheeler to raise their games. And uh, certainly those two guys up front have done that and more over the course of the past two weeks. Yeah, so we, we talk about handing out T-shirts on occasion when, when, when the takes are a little bit ice cold. But honestly, if you're not printing the Is Anything New T-shirt and having, <laughs> and having Blake Wheeler on the cover, I mean, this is a missed opportunity right here. We've talked all the time about how you know, Kyle Connor wants to raise his profile in the NHL. Get the KFC shirt on the podium. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Were you so, in the room for that? Were I you, was. Were I you was, in the room yeah. for that? Like, yes, okay, I was. Yeah. If you saw Josh Morrissey was doing everything he could not to explode laughing, like how, what was the reaction? Because I'll be honest, if I was in that room, I would have probably spit up my drink or something because it was the combination of what he said and the delivery of oh, it was yeah. just, I mean, it was A+. plus. It's 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 vintage Wheeler. I, I called it defiant on our post game hit, and that's how I wrote about it. And this is what we know about Blake. Blake Blake is a guy who wears his emotions. He also is not afraid to deliver. But this is the thing, Hus. The framing of the question was nothing but a positive. This is a softball for Blake to hit out of the park in terms of what he's been doing to get things turned around. But in vintage Wheeler fashion. He goes with the perceived slight instead of taking it as a positive. And, you know, I wrote about this in my column for sportsnet.ca. It's part of what makes Blake, some people's perception is different. It's part of what makes him great. And you know what? It's part of what fuels his competitive fire. So, I mean, if you're in the media, you can't take that personally because, like, this is like vintage Lance, last dance territory for Jordan <laughs> where Wheeler creates a slight out of one that wasn't there, right? Instead of focusing on the 26 points in 19 games, which was how the question was prefaced. Blake sees that as, so you're attacking my slow start? No, 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 no. It's not an attack. It's not an attack. It's a, it's a pat on the back or a stick tap for a job well done. But you know what? I love the fact that Blake is honest and shares his emotions that way. Um, and it's, like I said, it's, it's part of what helps him in the battle against father time. Uh, and, and, and that's a battle that, you know, not many players have won, but as you touched on, I mean, there was pressure. Here's the other part. Blake doesn't care about points. And the other part of the answer is equally important. We all focus on the, is anything new, not trying to be arrogant, but Blake also talks about, I've had slow starts before, and it's his incredible self-belief in him to get things turned around that allows him to put those slow starts behind him. And again, although Blake has been, you know, even in the 91-point seasons, Blake was consistently saying, I don't care about points, I just want to win. But the other side of that coin is that so often, if he's not producing, the Jets haven't found a way to win. So that's part of the responsibility. It is true. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I'll, let me go on the record right now by saying I don't believe that for a second. I mean, I do think that points are important to him because of the leader, sure. because of the paycheck that he gets. I mean, he needs to be, but it actually goes back to the point that you said. If Wheeler's not going or his line isn't going and they're playing 20 minutes a night, they're yeah. probably not winning, winning many hockey games. So, I mean, there is a lot of pressure, both legitimate from outside and internal on him to get things done. 
Um, but however you manifest itself into the performance that's happening right now, just keep doing it. And um, uh, it, it just, I mean, we could spend a lot of time talking about Wheeler, um, but the connection of he and Shifley, who, let's not forget, weren't playing together for the majority of the period of time since Dave Lowry took over. It seemed like there was almost a resistance to go back to that because that essentially was same old, same old. And I mean, unfortunately, that, connection or lack thereof earlier in the season might be part of the reason why Paul Maurice is doing whatever he's doing right now. And Dave Lowry's behind the bench. Um, but they have rekindled this partnership and, you know, certainly you know it's not perfect in their own end. Um, but man, um, you know, he has everything we heard from Blake Wheeler as well. We're seeing from Mark Shifley uh, pretty much night in and night out and he's getting the results. Yeah, bang on. And Wheeler being able to find the back of the net with a little bit more regularity makes him feel good. But it's Huge. been his vintage passing Huge. that has been on display. The one the other night, Shifley, the first of the three of the natural hat trick, that's incredible vision. And his ability to get things going. We talk about his speed. He's got his legs going, his body going, uh, getting involved physically. And you're right, Huss. I mean, Wheeler and Shifley are clicking. We know they love playing together. We know they've had success together in terms of putting up offense and right now they've really got things cooking they've got the power play improving and you're right the diligence of mark shifley coming out of this break doing exactly what we said he needed to do has been an impressive story and one quick thing i know that folks were fired right up about the play on the marcus johansson goal and partly for good reason but this was not a nonchalance from mark shifley it's a subtle but very unsuspecting fake drop pass that he bites on which sort of a lot makes him freeze thinking he's going to have to turn the other direction and that's what allowed Johansson to kind of pick up speed like I know some folks saw that as a flyby like we saw earlier against Pittsburgh and things of that nature but that's not what occurred I mean could they have played a little bit better of, of course but this wasn't a lazy play by Mark Shifley it's actually quite an impressive subtle play by Johansson that kind of left him in the dust but then what happens? Shifley is heavily involved and forces the turnover uh, that allowed Wheeler to get the puck free, right? So, I mean, that, there were some important plays there uh, on that that stretch as well. And, and there too, Huss. I mean, Shifley, uh, the goal streak is snapped, and he doesn't get a point last night, but he still found a way to be involved in the game and, be, and have an impact. And, and that's the thing. You're not always going to rack up, you know, seven goals and 11 points. But those two combined have had 23 points in six games. So guess what? You're looking for production. It doesn't get much more productive than the stretch that those two guys have had coming out of the break. And if I'm Dave Lowry, Huss, I'm feeling positive because for two games in a row, both of the top two lines got on the board and had a big impact on the game. And people have been begging for that for about the last two months' time. No, there's no doubt about it. Ken Weave with us, the guy that told the top players on the Jets to wake up. They have <laughs> followed suit, and now the team's winning hockey games. Um, Weaver, there was a lot coming out of Dave Lowry today. Um, you know, we were wondering yeah. about Andrew Kopp's situation. Cole Perfetti got hit last night, left the game, which you know allowed Christian Reichel. And again, great call for Dave Lowry. I mean, coaches are, you know, you, you, they're all over coaches when they make bad decisions. I thought he had a great pulse for the game recognizing how good Christian Reichel was last night and how he was flying and bumping him up. Probably wouldn't have been the first guy I would have thought that would gone to that spot, but it certainly paid dividends. Um, but they could be without 
both Perfetti and Cop going forward. Give us the update on those players and then thoughts on the waiver pickup of Winnipeg native Adam Brooks earlier today. Yeah, you bet, Huss. Uh, obviously, uh, the official status is day-to-day for Andrew Kopp. I don't expect him to be an option for Saturday's game with that upper body injury after the uh, collision with Jordan Greenway. And in terms of Cole Perfetti, uh, after taking that hit in the third period from Jamie Alexiak along the boards, to me, I'm guessing it's a suspected shoulder injury. He seemed to be laboring and kind of bent forward as he made his way to the bench. He will be more to date more than day-to-day. I don't know if that week-to-week was not uttered, but I don't think it's a coincidence the Jets claimed Adam Brooks today off waivers. So tough news for uh, for the young lion, as Murat Atesh likes to call him. Um, he had been playing quite well, and um, obviously, too, like, this is – you and I have talked about this. The reason why I didn't think Cole Perfetti was ready for 20 minutes a night of ice time, despite playing on a top line, is because of the grueling and physical nature of the game when you're playing, you know, four, four games in six nights – you get caught once by a guy who's six foot six or six foot seven along the boards and you go in funny, it sometimes can lead to injuries. So tough, tough break for Cole Perfetti. We'll see how long he's out of the lineup. Uh, but you're right. Christian Reichel done a great job of taking advantage of the opportunity. Us, to me, this reminds me of a couple of years ago. Remember when Jansen Harkins had that incredible start, was leading the AHL in scoring, uh, was kind of not, not a forgotten man on the depth chart. But he was certainly lower than you would have anticipated. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, way down there. Not even mentioned in training camp. Wasn't in the top group hang of on, the hang players. On. I mentioned him in training camp as a potential uh, fit with Adam Lowry. He was he was at the bottom of the of the of the of the potential? Yeah, but... you were at the buffet for fifteen minutes before you mentioned his name. <laughs> <laughs> totally fair. But the thing about Reichel, so I've told you this story before. Pascal Vincent loved Christian Reichel. Whenever I was in touch with with Pascal talking about prospects, he always made it a made a you know intentional um, objective of praising Christian Reichel and saying bet against this guy at your own peril. He's really improving. He's really improved his skating. We knew he. I mean, he was an offensive player in junior. He's become a very good penalty killer at the American League level. And man, he's improved his skating to the point where he's really been effective on the forecheck. And his ability to track down that puck and then get it to Kyle Connor for the one-time feed to Josh Morrissey, <clears throat> another great example of what he's been able to do. Shifting gears to Adam Brooks. Um, Adam Brooks is a guy who I was talking with Chris Johnson, our buddy, earlier this week um, about maybe wondering if the Jets might be interested. But here's a guy that has incredible offensive talent. He was a prolific point producer for the Regina Pats. He's a guy who's won a Calder Cup with the Toronto Marlies. His foot speed has always kind of hindered his play a little bit in terms of trying to break in to become an NHL regular, but he's still been productive. He can get onto your second power play. He can. He's got 11 points in 29 games, I think it is, uh, between his time with Toronto, Montreal, and Vegas. Um, in some ways... He does some of the things that Cole Perfetti does. I'm not saying that Brooks is going to come right in and be used in an offensive role, but I think they see an opportunity for him to maybe get some second power play time. To my knowledge, in in asking around, he doesn't do a lot of penalty killing, but he's a guy that has an offensive tilt, but he's also a responsible player. So for me, it's a, you know, no risk move. And it's something where if he, you know, a lot like adding Svechnikov as a free agent, you're adding to your depth pool for a team that hasn't had a, a lot of depth scoring. So we're not saying that, that he's going to walk in onto the second line and jump right in, but he's a guy that, you know, on a night where things maybe aren't going for a Christian Reichel or a Christian Veselainen, 
maybe you give him a bump and see what he could do uh, with a little bit more of a skilled player. So a uh, great opportunity for him. And Hus, just quickly, I covered the Western Canadian Bantam AAA Championship, I believe. I want to say it was 2010. The final of that year pitted Matt Barzell versus Adam Brooks and the Winnipeg Hawks. That's the first time I had a chance to see him play uh, before he made his way to the Western League. And he's a guy who's known as an incredibly high-character person, uh, friendly Manitoban. And obviously, uh, if I'm Adam Brooks, I'm placing a phone call to Eric Comrie because he's been on the Eric Comrie Magical Mystery Tour of the waiver claim variety. <laughs> so I think immediately you have a guy that you can relate to in that room. And I think that uh, Eric can provide a little bit of advice in terms of maybe how many suitcases to bring on the plane uh, as you await your next destination. <laughs> Uh, speaking of next destinations, the Gus bus is headed for yes. the Manitoba Moose. But the good news is he's out of the garage. Um, Indeed. Do you believe, like, how do you see this going? I mean, especially with the injuries the Jets have right now. I mean, really unfortunate that he hasn't been able to be there to maybe to get a chance before. But, I mean, do you think he goes in? The Moose have three games over the course of, they go Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday, I believe here in Winnipeg, uh, you play those games and then, you know, potentially rejoin the Jets or maybe even earlier. Would you say this is more conditioning or is this where the bus will be uh, for the next little while? <laughs> yeah, I don't see a parking of the bus uh, in the American Hockey League. Uh, walked, you know, David was at the game the other night, uh, had a chance to just briefly speak with him, uh, you know, as a flyby. Uh, if you will, he said he was feeling good and getting close. So I would say it's not a conditioning assignment because he doesn't require waivers to have one, Hus. But to me, this is a get out of the garage. You had a tune-up. Now you got to get through a period. You got to get through two periods. You got to play three periods. You got to go down and play, you know, 18, 20 minutes a game, which we know that Mark Morrison will lean on David Gustafson. And as you mentioned, with, you know, the, sorry, I should have also mentioned the news about Nikolai Ehlers. He's been skating every other day but not ready or not close to being ready to rejoining the group. To me, that's a minimum of two more weeks while he's on the shelf. So to me, I, I could easily see a scenario where Gustafson is back with the Jets before uh, Nikolai Ehlers has returned. And I mean, again, I, I, you're, you were preaching to the choir uh, when you had Murad on. That was another thing that I wrote about during, you know, on the first day of the, of the camp. I asked David Gustafson flat out if he was comfortable moving to the wing, if that's what, what it meant for him to get into the NHL, because I also thought he'd be a great fit playing alongside Adam Lowry. And again, it's more likely that he's used on the fourth line when he comes back. But I definitely, you know, if you're, if you're holding a one goal lead late in a game, you don't hesitate to put David Gustafson on the ice because of the defensive conscience that he plays with. So for me, I think as long as he can stay healthy and get back into a rhythm, David Gustafson can help this team down the stretch where they're going to need contributions from all four lines. Ken Weeb at Weeb's World on Twitter. You can check out he and Sean Reynolds after tomorrow afternoon's game and Monday afternoon's game with the long weekend. And uh, of course, the Kenny and Rennie YouTube channel. Make sure you give them a sub and join them. Um, just quickly before we uh, we go, Ken, um, let's look ahead to uh, tomorrow, first and foremost, against Edmonton. Our old buddy Evander coming to town in his uh, 91 jersey with Edmonton. <laughs> This team's hot. I mean, they lost two games in their last 12. It got the coach fired. Uh, but, man, they've looked good. And, actually, they've been doing the Jets some favors by beating a bunch of those teams that are sort of in between. Um, just give us your thoughts on uh, the matchup tomorrow and then Monday afternoon against the red-hot Calgary Flames. 
Yeah, great matchups in both of them. And, you know, salute to Jay Woodcroft uh, for the job he's done coming in under very difficult circumstances. Uh, we know it was an exciting time for the Woodcroft family, uh, exchanged a quick text with Todd Woodcroft, former Jets assistant, uh, when the news uh, was official. Um, and Mark Mark Spector, my colleague at Sportsnet, writing about how Woodcroft has come in and, you know, started trying to chip away at the culture. And, and uh, you know, winning culture is what all teams are looking for. He's been able to get a buy-in. He's been able, in terms of the defensive game, we know that they've been playing, you know, a little bit more of a balanced attack in terms of the minutes. And us, in a lot of ways, the timing is so good for this matchup because in so many ways, that overtime loss to the uh, Oilers is sort of where their Jets season kind of started to unravel in a lot of ways, right? The one-on-three goal by McDavid and then losing that game. Sorry, it might have been a shootout uh, when they didn't cash in in the overtime. Either way. Uh, that was a tough one for the Jets. This is the third and final meeting. Uh, you know, does it matter to the teams? You know, to me, it does matter because both of them are below the, you know, both of them are trying to make sure they're above that playoff line. And the Oilers have made a nice run here and the Jets want to continue their run. And in terms of Calgary, uh, really smart trade by Brad Treliving, picking up Tyler Toffoli, uh, one of the best available snipers on the market, a guy with some term, a guy who is familiar with the players and the coaching staff. Uh, and a guy who is a winner. So, uh, you know, stick tap to Brad Living for making a deal to help his club. What, they've won eight in a row. They're uh, absolutely on fire. Elias Lindholm has been excellent. Uh, they've got some depth going. They're, that might be the top line in the league this year. Yeah, it's certainly one of them, right? I mean, that's the thing. To me, even though I know McKinnon is not putting up the MVP-like numbers, to me, it's tough to to have a better line than Landis Gog, Rantanen, and and McKinnon. But the the fact that that line is in the discussion when half of Alberta wanted to drive Johnny to the airport last year and find him a new home, I'm impressed by that. And the other thing too, I mean, Matthew Kachuk has absolutely got things going uh, this year as well. Uh, you know, engagement was a word that was used often by Dave Lowry today when speaking about Pierre Luc Dubois in uh, speaking to some of my friends who cover the Flames. Uh, the Kachuk engagement uh, has been high this year, and that's one of the reasons they've got things going. And, you know, we talk about the local connections all the time. Uh, Chris Tanev, the former Manitoba Moose Blue Liner, uh, has been just an absolute force for the Flames uh, on the back end. They've had a great season from uh, Rasmus Anderson. Oliver Shillington has done an excellent job. And Shillington's a guy who was available on waivers last year, Huss, right? Yep. And all of a sudden he's a, another classic story where he's a top four defenseman again. So well, it, it's uh, wild. I mean, you know, I mean, I spent, uh, you know, a good part of the summer doing a ton of shows in Calgary on 960 mm-hmm. with Pat and Will. And, you know, I mean, the, the conversations about where the Flames go after such a disappointing season last year, uh, I would have to say the consensus was not to go into this season the way they did. There was a lot of angst. The expectations oh. weren't very high. And um, man, they've gone. I mean, I, I mean, I've been really impressed with a few things. The way that they've been playing. Markstrom, first and foremost. And I was on Mean Streets with Chris Meany, more of a betting show a couple weeks ago. And then Dusty and I, who's coming up in a minute, did the same thing at the break, um, you know, looking at the Stanley Cup odds. And, you know, we were talking about Calgary at 23 to one. I'm like, listen, they're playing a style. They're winning games. They've got elite goaltending. They can score. This is a team. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but this is a team that is going to be a nightmare out in the playoffs. Um, and they haven't lost since then. And that number has dropped from 25 to one to 15 to one right now. So 
people certainly are taking notice. So we'll focus on the Flames on Monday. Tomorrow it's going to be the Edmonton Oilers. We're going to talk about it with Dustin Nielsen coming up in just a sec. Um, you take a deep breath, step back from the buffet, um, and I'll look forward to you and Rennie. By the way, you know, Rennie was there, Hamilton, I was there. We, we missed you at BP for the uh, big gold medal game on Wednesday night. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I don't, like didn't invite my, you. I don't like to throw my friends under the bus, but if I had known people were going somewhere, I yeah. might have joined you. I mean, uh, I was as surprised as the next guy when he announced it on the show that they watched the game together uh, <laughs> moments after I walked out of the building. But in all seriousness, uh, us, I would have loved it. Uh, uh, Rennie knew that I had to go home and write. Now, it is true that I didn't start writing until the gold medal horn had sounded. But uh, I think that's probably why he didn't invite if me. If you but... had to write, listen, if you had to write after the game, you made the right choice and not joining us at Boston pizza for the gold medal <laughs> game. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, no, fair dude, point. Have a great one, man. Uh, looking forward to the shows this weekend and uh, puck drop tomorrow, of course, down at the, uh, at the rink. Uh, have a great one. Stay warm and uh, we'll catch you downtown. Yeah, have a tremendous weekend. Uh, shout out to Dusty on the Flutie Flakes uh, box in the uh, corner of the shot. And Huss, you know this because I told it to you personally during the season, but uh, since I know he is listening, uh, incredible job by Dusty uh, on the play-by-play calls this year on the broadcast. I love that his personality was really showing as the season went along and uh, great addition uh, by that company uh, on a full-time role. And uh, he's just getting started uh, Bright, bigger and brighter things ahead uh, for our main man in Edmonton there. Well, absolutely. And he gets it. I mean, uh, you know, you heard him, the uh, the joy uh, in that 45 nothing game against BC when the over was hit late, when there was nothing else really to care about. I mean, these are the things that people need to know and pay attention to. The real fans of this game. Why else would anyone be watching a game that's 42 nothing in the fourth quarter? Uh, Weaver, have a great one, dude. Let's uh, do this again soon. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, looking forward to it. Huss, have a tremendous weekend. And also, shout out to the tremendous jersey that uh, <laughs> yeah, Dustin people are going to be ready. You better for this get one. him in here. Uh, enough he, of me here. Have he, a great weekend. Man. He's bringing it. Thanks, dude. Uh, there Cheers. he is. Weeb's World himself, Ken Weeb. Marbles coming up before 3 p.m. And uh, hey, the weekend is here. It's a long weekend. And I can't think of anything that would make the long weekend better than some little brown jug. The 1919, the Brute IPA, the double, maybe a winter variety pack in the mix. The good news is if uh, you're freaked out by this blizzard warning and you're not leaving the house, get online to littlebrownjug.ca. They do deliveries on Fridays and Saturdays and will deliver anywhere citywide. And if you are out and about, pop by your local beer store, grab a 1919 at your favorite bar or restaurant when you're out and about this weekend. Little Brown Jug, visit them at the brewery and tap room down on William Avenue in the exchange or uh, make your order online at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, Princess Auto Curling Report, congratulations to Brad Gushu. Uh, they bounced back from the crushing defeat in the semifinal to win a bronze medal, beating the United States 8-5 yesterday. Of course, Canada not in the playoffs on the women's side. But if anyone that saw that incredible moment between Jen Jones and the two Japanese curlers and watched the Japanese play, um, they are the... Uh, the sweethearts of this event. They're a plus 130 underdog going up against um, Great Britain in the curling final. Um, I'm definitely pulling for Japan, and I'm far more excited about the women's curling gold medal game than I am Finland and Russia playing for hockey gold. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of Jen Jones' team, Team Mike McEwen representing Manitoba at the Briar, and the place 
where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of their two local locations or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And yeah, we were mentioning Boston Pizza. Got the guys together for the gold medal game after the Jet game on, on uh, Wednesday night. Uh, I have a feeling we might be uh, having a couple there as well after the uh, early game tomorrow, 3 p.m. Um, but whether you're going out, Boston Pizza, where friends get together to watch the game, big screens, big sound, gourmet pizzas, Boston's wings, ice-cold schooners, and more. And if you're staying home, you can order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, tomorrow, 3 p.m., we drop the puck between the Jets and the Edmonton Oilers. And it's always fun before these games to welcome in my pal, partner on the Lock Shop, did a new episode earlier today. If you're listening on the podcast, search Lock Shop and make sure you subscribe. Let's bring him in, the host of the Nielsen Show on TSN 1260 in Edmonton, my pal, Dustin Nielsen. Hey, long time no talk. What's going on? Yeah, what's happened in the last two hours outside of... Kenny just making me emotional here with all those kind words. I, I couldn't believe it. What a nice guy he is. Yeah, Ken is a nice guy, but he uh, he's not full of BS. I mean, you're a, a very popular figure in the, uh, you know, and listen, you've done a great job and, you know, it's exciting. I mean, I know we talked about this earlier today on the lock shop, but, um, you know, we're already counting down the days to CFL season because yes. we've been robbed of the XFL season that would normally be starting <laughs> yeah. right now to get us through NFL into CFL. Um, but football's done now. The focus is on hockey. And I know around here and especially out in Edmonton after some real low lows this season for both teams, two new head coaches, Kind of crazy that we're talking about Woodcroft and Lowry being on the bench tomorrow um, between the Jets and Oilers, who have now sort of both barged themselves, especially Edmonton, back into you know some positive momentum when it comes to getting back into the playoff race. Fill us in on the last couple of weeks around this Edmonton Oilers club. Yeah, it's been interesting because not very often do you see a team have a stretch where they've gone nine, two, and one in their last twelve, but had a coaching change in the middle of it like that. <laughs> That's very rare. They were 5-0-1. It looked like they got things back on track, come back from the All-Star game and lose two games in regulation, and it didn't look good, and boom, Tippett's out. Woodcroft takes over, and they're 4-0 since he took over, possibly the classic coach bump. Uh, maybe that's what we're seeing here. But if you watch the team uh, over the last week or so, uh, or if you watch them earlier in the year for Jets fans who are going to get a look at them, they play a different game under Jay Woodcroft than they do under Dave Tippett. They, 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 they're harder on the puck. Looks like there's more give a damn. The forwards are coming back much better than they were, which allows the defense to stand up a little bit, which limits a lot of the chances that they used to be surrendering off the rush, which has certainly helped their goaltenders. They're scoring five on five now, which they weren't able to do at all in the month of December and January. And they're scoring five on five with depth guys. Like their third line had two goals last night. They had seven goals last night and Connor McDavid was, you know, he was he was okay, but he wasn't spectacular by any stretch of the imagination. So basically everything that wasn't working under Dave Tibbet is now working under Jay Woodcroft, with the exception of the power play, which they're still trying to get up to speed. Are the goalies good again, thanks to the new coach? <laughs> well, well, I'm not sure that they ever were really good, but are they I, better? I still, had, I still had people texting into my show this morning being like, well, you know, maybe now that they're better, Marc-Andre Fleury will agree to come here at the deadline. Like, people are still looking at... Smith, if he can stay healthy, maybe he can get back up to speed anywhere even remotely close to what he was last year because he was like a 925 save percentage last year, and he's slowly been getting a little bit better. But they still find be they fell behind 2-0 against Anaheim yesterday. 
uh, two power play goals and they were redirections. So, I mean, I'm not going to put it all on the goaltender, but then they managed to have the offense to come back. So uh, they get the back-to-backs this week. I, I think they said Smith was in the starter net at practice today here in Edmonton. So maybe he goes against the Jets and then they get the big Finn Koskinen back in there on uh, Sunday against Minnesota. Um, but yeah, it's not like they've been playing better. But there's still, you know, areas that you would like to see Ken Holland address prior to the deadline for sure. Well, I, you know, I have to admit, I mean, you know, we don't watch the Oilers as much as you do. But when we have seen them, especially against the Winnipeg Jets, I mean, Stuart Skinner, Skinner's looked better yeah. than both of the other guys. He had the shutout. Now he's back in the A. I mean, is he an option or um, are they just going to ride with Smith and Koskinen uh, until they don't? And based on his abilities, he's an option for sure. Um, but he can go back down, right? He can, he can, doesn't have to clear waivers. So he can go down, which is why they have Miko Koskinen. I think, I don't know, not that you're afraid to lose Koskinen. I mean, you could, you could wave him and and then just bury him and, and try to run with Skinner and Smith. I think that, I think they're trending probably towards Skinner being at least one of their two guys next year. And Smith still has one more year in his deal. So maybe that's the combination that they go with next year. Uh, I'm, I, I think a lot of people right now in this market would be fine with, you know, Smith splitting games with Skinner, not even as like a number one or a backup role. Like I think a lot of people like what Skinner's done so far this year. He does have the better numbers of all of them. Um, but when it all comes down to it, if Koskinen and Smith stay healthy, I don't think we're going to see Skinner um, for the rest of this season. So with that being said, <laughs> I don't know if either of those two guys stay healthy the entire way. So we'll see how it <laughs> plays out. Yeah, good point. Um, uh, tell us about Evander Kane and his new home. Well, you know, he's a, he's obviously a great guy and uh, there's been nothing <laughs> bad here. And uh, look on the ice is all we can talk about right now, obviously. And on the ice, it's, it's interesting because he's got eight points in nine games. He's got four goals in nine games. If you watch him, and when you watch him this weekend, you might be like, I ah, still trying to get up to speed a little bit. Like I think there's still a little bit more game in there, but the production is already there. And the one thing that he does bring to the table, you saw it a little bit at the end of the first period last night, end of the period, finishes a check, you know, kind of gets the glove up in the face. The other team's chirping at him. He's giving it back. The Oilers just didn't have that guy really much before. So the fact that Evander Kane, he went to the net last night on a whistle, stopped by it, got knocked down, scrum started. So they, the Oilers just didn't have that in their game at all. And now Evander Kane brings it. And I think, to be honest with you, it kind of helps the rest of the group. So if he can just keep doing what he's doing and stay on track and, you know, keep all the guys, you know, at bay, if there's any issues or anything like that, if he can just keep going the way he is right now, I think they'll be happy with him for the next three months. Well, I, I did joke on Twitter earlier uh, this week that uh, Evander is doing his best to quickly restore his public image by that quick jab to the beak oh. of Brendan Lemieux. Yeah. I mean, oh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, he really did. And, and that's the one thing about Evander. I mean, he is, he's a power forward, but he is also a guy that if need be can throw him. I mean, I think, you know, the coach, you want him out there on the ice, able to contribute, but he adds a, a physical element that, you know, you see less and less in today's national hockey league. And it certainly seems like that's been a positive for the Oilers right now. Yeah. It's, I think you make a good point by saying, you know, in this national hockey league, because 20 years ago, there's really probably not too much special about Evander Kane really. But now with the way that the power forward game is severely lacking on most teams, I mean, Evander Kane is modern day definition of a power forward. And the closest thing that the Oilers might have had to that, honestly, would have been like 
Leon Dreisaitl just based on the power that he has, but he doesn't really play overly physical. Um, Fogel likes to kind of play that game, but the skill level really isn't there to sort of match what you're looking for for a top six power forward. So even before they signed Evander Kane, I mean, we all looked at it and went, yeah, this is the guy the Oilers need. Like they need basically this type of forward and they're getting them at a bargain rate right now. Uh, so if you're, if you're Ken Holland or if you're Jay Woodcroft or anybody there, you're hoping that you can take advantage of it while you have them. Uh, has uh, Connor McDavid turned into a great leader again uh, now that this uh, this <laughs> streak? I mean, listen, he's uh, hey, you know, I'm kind of <laughs> kind of joking, but uh, fill us in on where McDavid's at because I mean, to be honest, I think every hockey fan you know that realizes what a great player he is saw a guy that I mean, he didn't personally look lost, but he sure as hell looked miserable for a while. I mean, uh, where is he at right now? And uh, I mean, listen, and as part of that, what do they need to do to get this power play going because when we saw this team when they were 16 and 5 and first in the Pacific, a big part of it was a power play that was clicking at like 42%, and uh, it's gone ice cold. Yeah, the power play, like how crazy is it that we're sitting here talking about the Edmonton Oilers and they've won four in a row and their power play is an issue? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, Connor McDavid, it's interesting. I think on the final days of Dave Tippett, I don't know. We were when you watch him play, you're like, ah, he doesn't seem as aggressive as he used to be. And then we were like, oh, is something going on. I know at the All-Star game, they kind of mentioned that he might have had a minor knee issue. But since Woodcroft has taken over, and I'll give him and Dryside a lot of credit. That first game under Woodcroft uh against the Islanders a couple Fridays ago, those two guys came out and were balls to the wall, like dry settles, diving on back checks. McDavid isn't just like gliding into guys to finish checks. Like he's legitimately throwing body checks. And I think that kind of set the tone for the rest of the team. We hadn't really seen that much from those two guys. So I think from a emotional perspective and a leadership perspective, I think they've stepped their game up since the coaching change, maybe a little bit of a reality check for those two guys and the entire leadership core. And as for the power play, I mean, I've, to be honest, I don't really have an answer. Like their second unit, actually, which very rarely plays, did score the one goal on the power play that they had last night. At one point in the third period, it was like you saw like a comet come crashing into the planet because the Oilers started their second power play unit on a power play. I could hear the whole city was like, what the hell's going on? They're actually doing it. Like they're giving these other guys a little bit of run on the power play. So they're still looking for answers. I have faith that they'll be able to figure it out because they're way too talented to not get that power play, you know, back up to speed. But uh, right now it seems like it's just a lot of standing around and trying to set up dry settle for a one-timer. Might need to change that here. If they're going to use that power play to be get back to where they were in the first couple of months of the year. What's been the biggest thing that uh, Woodcroft's done to uh, sort of change the vibe around the team? And um, is this a short-term thing, or do you do see some significant changes from uh, the tip era? I think I think the biggest thing that Woodcroft has done is something that is sustainable for the group, which I think is a major positive for him, and that is he's handling the lineup in a different way. Like, he's managing their ice time differently. Derek Ryan talked about it last night. And Derek Ryan didn't go as far as saying Dave Tippett wasn't doing this right. But Derek Ryan said, you know, there's a, there's a different feeling to knowing that you've got a role on a third line and you're going to get a regular shift as opposed to be sitting there for 15 or 20 minutes and then be expecting to go out there and do something after. So the one thing that, that Woodcroft has done is he's come in and he's distributed the ice time a little bit better. He, you know, he switched up the line combinations before his first game 
And prior to the Jesse Puliarvi injury last night, he basically left those lines together for four games, which Dave Tippett never did. He was always tinkering, always trying to find something mid-game. Woodcroft has just let it run. He took some guys who were in you know minors, minor roles, five-on-five, like Orion McLeod, and moved him onto the penalty kill and gave him more of a role. Uh, they're running 11 forwards and 7D for the last four games because they're trying to um, without Duncan Keith and without Chris Russell, they've got a bunch of young blue liners on that left side. So they're just playing them all for about 12 to 14 minutes a night. And they've done a good job managing that as well. So ice time distribution and bench management, I think, has actually been the biggest impact of Woodcroft. And that's something that he can certainly continue to do. So I think that's a major positive for the team and that group on the ice. Hey, uh, what uh, what's the word in northern Alberta? What's happened in southern Alberta? Calgary Flames right now are uh, an absolute wagon. Yeah, I uh, I think it was yesterday on my show I brought it up. Like Calgary's won eight in a row. Their goal differential is like plus fifty four. Like they're 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 in that elite level. When I saw that goal differential, I I honestly I heard you talk about it earlier. I was like, Huss. What did he get the flames at? What was it? Plus 2000. Cause they're at plus 1600. I think 20, right now. 20, 23 to one. And they're now yeah. 15 to one. Yeah. So it's moving. I was like, ah, and I got Pittsburgh on that episode and Pittsburgh is now first in the division as well. So who knows? Maybe we get a Pittsburgh Calgary final and lock shop from last <laughs> week looks <laughs> genius. Um, but yeah, Cal- it's funny. Cause when you bring it up, we had a few people text in and be like, I've watched a lot of Calgary. They are a wagon. Like they are a very good hockey team. And then we had other people, typical Edmonton Calgary rivalry who are texting and being like, well, have you seen the flame schedule lately? I mean, outside of two games, they really haven't played anybody. Frauds. So yeah, yeah, exactly. But the Cal- like Calgary has a recipe that can take you a long way. A veteran coach who's won a goaltender who is among the best in the league has eight shutouts this year. And now they've got this group of forwards that, you know, there's nice depth there in the first three lines for Calgary. And, I think they, like many teams, might want to add a veteran defenseman prior to the deadline, but they've already shown a willingness to go out and get to Foley. So maybe they don't stop there. It's, uh, I like we, how weird would it be if the Oilers go in to play Calgary and the Oilers have McDavid and Dreisaitl in the playoffs and are an underdog against the Flames? Like that's, that's wild. I want that series so bad. I don't know if we're going to get it, but that would be amazing. Well, I mean, and the funny thing is that Calgary's playing so well right now that, you know, they might win the division, which yeah. would mean like if, assume the Oilers get in there in two or three, you know, would be playing Vegas. And I think everyone would be down for the Battle of Alberta. So just to reset from our, our lock shop earlier today, uh, by the way, we both had an incredible run. We did points, you know, with our we we, we scaled our yeah. points basically in our head to head matchup picking against the spread. We both went 10 and three in the NFL playoffs. So Barry Horowitz yourself. That was a that was great work. Um, but I narrowly won. It was a $50 bet. We're going double or nothing straight up on tomorrow's game. Jets Oilers for, uh, for tomorrow. Yeah. And look, if the Oilers lose and you want to go double or nothing on something else, I'll do it again. That's just <laughs> how I roll. Huh? So, uh, I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm, I'm intrigued by the total. I think the total is set at six and, uh, part of me just thinks, it's like a five, four game with the way the jets are scoring right now. And with the way the Oilers have been scoring five on five. But then as you told me in lock shop, you got Mr. Madden between the pipes. So maybe, maybe he shuts it down. We'll have to see. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun uh, folks. If you haven't seen uh, what we do outside of uh, our own programs together, it's called the lock shop. Uh, we've got the video up on uh, both of our Twitter feeds. So you can check that out, but do us a favor, uh, wherever you're getting your podcast, just put in lock shop, give us a sub and, uh, 
Join us on Tuesdays and Fridays. We always do two episodes a week during the football season. Now it's sort of working out great. We like to do Tuesdays so we can hit the golf for the weekend and uh, a bit of a quieter week this week without football. But you know it's all coming back. Uh, having a lot of fun. Enjoy the weekend, my man. All the best to the family. And uh, we'll see what happens, whether I'm sending you an invoice or I just burned a 50 in our, uh, in our double or nothing bet. Uh, enjoy the game, man. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> right on. There he is, Dustin Nielsen at Nielsen TSN 1260, host of the Nielsen Show mornings on TSN in Edmonton. And of course, uh, the up and coming voice of Canadian Football League broadcasts on TSN. That was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, but the fun is not over yet. We have, of course, our normal marble race prizes with a uh, one of the Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodies brought to you by our friends at Canadian Club. And we also have four moose tickets. I'll let you know about the great giveaway at the moose in a moment. But our friends at Nick and Nikki DQ have been such great supporters of ours. And they are so fired up because uh, the DQ burgers just got even better, if that's possible. New buns, new sauces, and so much more. Be sure that all four of the Nick and Nikki DQs, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. I've been saying for years, people have been sleeping on the burgers at DQ. Well, not anymore. Pop down and try one for yourself. Check out those buffalo chicken fingers as well. And uh, the Red Velvet Blizzard uh, with cream cheese ice king and pieces of red velvet cake. A very popular special blizzard right now. Get it at any of the Nick and Nikki DQs over the course of the weekend. Um, I mentioned Canadian Club. We will be uh, doing our CC Marble Race coming up in a few minutes, but long weekend might be a great time to uh, pick up some of the good stuff since 1848, Canada's favorite rye and whiskey. It's Canadian Club. And go to your Manitoba Liquor Marts this weekend. You'll see for the rest of the month of February, big Canadian Club displays with big savings on Canadian Club Original, Canadian Club 100% rye, and CC 12 year reserve so stick around we'll get to the marbles in just a second and uh, you know what i'll do the cool bet lines actually you know what we'll do the cool bet lines once we open up the uh open up registration for the marbles but let's get michael remus in here as well because uh remo i was just kind of teasing the fact that we had some moose tickets as well for sunday's game and sunday is going to be, uh, well, a game that some people might want to put on their schedule to get out. There's no football. I mean, there's no excuse why you're going to be busy on Sunday afternoon. Next day is a holiday. And the Mikhail Burden bobblehead being given away. And uh, here's the way it looks. And no surprise, Burden is taking a shot. Yeah. <laughs> he's, 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 not, he's not saving a puck. He is uh, ready to fire something down the ice, making a headman. So, uh, there you go. There's Burden bobbleheading. Um, they're giving those away at Sunday's game for the Manitoba Moose. Uh, Moose with games Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday, I believe. And a big shout out to Dan Fink, who uh, popped down, gave us a couple of these to show off and let people know what they can get at the game on Sunday afternoon. And I think what we will do is providing that our winner is able to go to the game, uh, we'll have second place in today's marble race get four tickets for the moose game. Uh, and again, maybe we'll take a few other folks. You can uh, send us a tweet if you want the, well, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, but hopefully whoever it finishes second, will be able to use the tickets. It should be great. And it did say, did you know burden scored a goal while playing in the USHL? 
also has four assists in the past two AHL seasons, tied for the most among goaltenders. So, uh, Remo, nice little giveaway for Moose fans at the game on Sunday. It's got to be the only goalie bobblehead in history where the goalie isn't making a save and he's playing the puck. There is no way. I mean, I'm not familiar with goalie bobbleheads, but usually they're not shooting, not shooting the puck. That's pretty funny. <laughs> All right, listen. So uh, let's get out and uh, let's open up the uh, open up the marbles. Um, we are going to do uh, the usual. I don't know. Do you have to set it up any differently? Same thing. I just changed it marbles because we did one a giveaway earlier. Tickets. I, I had to change it. It's exclamation marbles. You'll get in. Don't spam it, or uh, I'll I'll toss you over the top. I already tossed one guy over the top rope today during the show. Somebody got Oleg'd. Yeah, Taz, he came in, just started writing Go Leafs over and over again. That was instant. Oh, God, over the top, yeah, bro. Instant. Royal Rumble time for Remus. Uh, hey. hey, tomorrow, speaking of uh, WWE, yeah. Elimination Chamber. Yeah. Noon tomorrow, because it's in Saudi Arabia. So if you're a WWE subscriber, make sure to set that PVR so you can watch it a little yeah. later on. All we, right. We did have some WWE news. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Undertaker getting into the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you saw the tribute video that they put out set to sad but true and american badass together but i was ready to run through a wall after watching the uh, undertaker's career in four minutes it was awesome well it's funny you say that because i didn't see it but our guy og caller number one the gfl greg liverpool did dm it to me and uh it is uh four and a half minutes reliving the iconic career mm -hmm. of the undertaker the following his WWE okay. hall of fame induction the announcement the best part of that video was when like stephanie is on the cross on the crucifix like tied up just like the most absurd a storyline ever so well you and i you and i went through that thread and i don't know what it started with but it was some of the more outrageous things that happened during the attitude era and speaking to the undertaker one of the things that happened he was in a feud with the big boss man i don't know how they did yeah, this you said but this they to me. literally had a noose in the ring off the cage and they put the noose around the boss man's neck and raised him up off the thing. It was a little morbid. Uh, I don't think okay. you get away with that today. But uh, I came uh, to school the, the next day, era. and my friends were like, "Yeah, Big Boss Man died at the pay per view. They hung him." <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> I remember that being a thing. Like <laughs> ridiculous, ridiculous. So uh, oh yeah, he's God. he's a legend going to the uh, the Hall of Fame. All right, expected. folks. So uh, marbles are open! Exclamation mark marbles! Get in. Uh, we'll close that in just a couple minutes. If you're new and you're wondering what we're doing, all you need to do is make sure you hit the red subscribe button and you're a subscriber to the channel. Everyone that puts in exclamation mark marbles will have a marble. We're going to do a big marble race. We've got a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie co-branded with our friends at Canadian Club Whiskey for first place and second place four prime tickets for the Moose game on Sunday afternoon for the McHale Burden bobblehead night. All right, let's quickly get to the cool bet lines before we uh, get to the marbles. Um, so tonight in the National Hockey League, just four games. Um, Preds at Canes, Wild at home to the Panthers, Stars in Chicago, and the Vegas Golden Knights home to the Kings. The uh, Kings, Stars, Panthers, and Hurricanes are all favored. But if you go on to the left, Remo, do me a favor. Click on that boosted odds parlays. Uh, because we did get a boosted lock shop parlay uh, that we put together. We've got Hurricanes money line, 
Stars money line. So both of those teams to win. And Chris is throwing up Anjay Kopitar to score at least one point. Uh, the odds on that was plus 324. We've got to boost it up to four to one. So uh, click that. And to be honest, a couple of the other ones, uh, JD and the guys with the rake and rake boosted parlay, kind of similar. I think they've got Kane, Stars, Vegas, as well as the over in the Stars Blackhawks game. That one's plus seven and a half, so seven and a quarter to one. Some great value on those. Um, and the Olympic curling, I mentioned the Japanese women. I'm riding with them. Plus 130 to beat Great Britain in the final. And in the curling uh, bronze medal game, kind of shocking that Sweden and Switzerland both lost. Switzerland, a minus 125 favorite against these Swedes. Of course, if you've never bet a cool bet before, use the promo code WST. We'll double your initial deposit up to $200 over mm -hmm. at coolbet.com. All right, Reem, you want to uh, close the marbles and uh, let's get her ready to go? Yeah, I'll close it off. I do want to give a shout out to uh, Jerry Kanzi and Chad mentioning Daytona 500 goes this weekend, but also the first race of the Arca Menard series Amber you know Balkan. What that means Amber. Yeah, Amber Balkan now Reeves. She just got uh, got married recently. Congratulations to uh, the couple. But she'll be uh, racing on Saturday afternoon. So someone uh, DM'd us on Facebook, made, wanted to make sure that we knew and we got the mention in. But I'll close it. I mean, last call for the marbles. I mean, there's always someone after us who comes in. Am I too late? Am I too late? Where you been? You know, we do it every No, every we're all week. good. As long as Oleg is sorry is here, uh, exclamation mark marble. So uh, that that's wonderful. We can finish mm. it off there. Let's get them all in. And um, just while Remus gets that set up, let's take a quick look at tomorrow's NHL schedule. Because as we mentioned, it's been bizarre times for the Winnipeg Jets all weekend, all week long. Four different home games at four different times, an eight o'clock, a six o'clock, a seven o'clock, and tomorrow is at three o'clock. But the game, the uh, afternoon does get going early with a noon game, the Avalanche at the Buffalo Sabres. Looks like the early line on that is Colorado minus 380 on the road. <laughs> Holy smokes. Uh, but you never know. Habs beat the Blues in uh, OT yesterday. So sometimes, you know, those money line underdogs will come through. Oilers and Jets. Oilers looks like they're a slight favorite. Again, this is, I think, a pinnacle number. We're still waiting for Kubet lines, minus 130. Uh, but Oilers and Jets at 3 o'clock. Later on tomorrow, Bruins sends, Blues Leafs, Kings Coyotes. Oh, Jet fans will be cheering for the Coyotes to make something happen there. Uh, Red Hot Flames taking on the Kraken before they host Winnipeg on Monday afternoon. And uh, the late game, the Ducks and the Canucks. And of course, there is a Monday afternoon game. It is a holiday. We won't be doing a show on Monday, uh, but you'll be able to check this out and all of our other content throughout the weekend. And we'll be back with a big show on Tuesday, wrapping everything going on for the Winnipeg Jets and looking ahead to the rest of the road trip with huge games against the Dallas Stars, a game the Jets just have to have considering they're chasing Dallas on Wednesday. And then another trip to Colorado, which uh, hopefully goes better than the last time out for the Winnipeg Jets. All right, Friday afternoon. It's just about 3 o'clock. It is marbles time on the program. Remo, how are we looking? I'm putting it, uh, I'm putting it in. I'll get the, um, gotta get the song ready, Huss. We can't do it without the theme song. Perfect. You tell me when you're ready for that. Shout out to Moose3, who just let us know that Amber Balkan qualified 22nd of 35 for tomorrow's ARCA race. Um, and Amber joined us geez, a few weeks ago on the show uh, announcing that, you know, she's moving over to this. It's just a huge opportunity. Um, you know, in racing, 
you know, the opportunity to move up into, you know, next levels is so huge. And uh, she's done that. And now uh, we're, of course, uh, wishing her all the best tomorrow in her inaugural race in the ARCA series. And, of course, you can uh, enjoy the Daytona coming up on uh, coming up on Sunday. Uh, all right, Remo, why don't we, uh, okay. why don't we get this thing ready to go? 154 names here in this race. So this is pretty, we're looking good. So beautiful, a big one. By the way, if you are interested in the Daytona, I'm just looking at this right now. Uh, Kubit's got the lines. Denny Hamlin, eight to one. Chase Elliott, 10 to one. I always go with Chase Elliott. Maybe I'll put a little sprinkle on him. Joey Logano, 11. Kyle Busch, 14. Interesting lineup. A lot of racers. Like there's no real clear favorite other than Hamlin, which is a little bit more than Chase Elliott. But we've also seen uh, some long shots win the Daytona before. So uh, anyway, it should be a great race. Uh, speaking of racing, it's time to uh, get the marbles ready here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Rivers music along with his partner in crime Candace with the incredible marbles intro and uh, wow over 154 folks in that's fantastic uh, make sure you've hit the thumbs up button help us out spread the channel and if you are in the race and even if you're not do us a favor gotta be subscribed to win make sure you mm. hit that red subscribe button uh, where are we going today Kamish? I, I gotta pick one too yes hit the red subscribe hit the thumbs up also follow us on uh, Instagram Sports Talk uh, WPG links in the description. We got some good video out today, Huss, where you discussed last from last week if number thirty three would be worn again by a <laughs> bomber or a jet, and we're already getting some great reaction. Uh, reaction. So I got to pick one. We got one hundred fifty four people in the race, and let me make sure that I have it set up. I don't know which one are we gonna do. I have no idea. I probably should have hmm. figured I'll it vote, out. Um, <clears throat> What about Cosmic Chaos? Uh, sure, Cosmic Chaos, yeah. And we got 154 people in. There we I go. I like it. There we go. I got it all in. 104. All right. We'll hit, hit go here. And I'll, here we... I'll disappear from the screen. One sec. Got too much, too much oh, stuff wow. going Look on. Oh, wow. Look at this. Cosmic Chaos. We're uh, taking it to uh, another universe here today on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, everyone's got their marble in. It is a packed, packed. Thank God we got the new computer so we can handle all this. And it actually looks quite good. Uh, again, first prize is a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie. We got another shipment coming in, so we don't have your size. We'll save one for you and probably have it in a week or two. Uh, but if you are second place, we do have four tickets for the Moose Game Sunday where they're giving out the Mikhail Burden bobbleheads. Uh, all right, without further ado, been a great week. Thanks to everyone that's joined us. Let's get it on. All right, here we go. We're in this. They always start with a funnel. This is it. Yep. You want to you get into the funnel first. Let's see who's making it down. Whoa, this is, this a, is a wild thing. What, what universe oh, are we on? Cosmic chaos. I like this one. Daryl Morosky and the Pionky Tonk Man coming out first, along with Elder. 
Bartholomew there, David LaFantasy, Comet, Kitty Pop, Mike Lay. What up, Mike? Yeah, I was on, on the phone for a while with Mike today. Mike uh, is our uh, Mike is our guy. Thinking a uh, big shout out to Mike. By the way, Mike, I do have a. Uh, he Mike came second a little while ago when we had a uh, a rye prize, and I do have a uh, nice bottle of CC. Maybe I'll try it. now that I got my car fixed yesterday. I'll uh, maybe be able to run it by Pionky Tonk Man. Looking good early. A slight lead, although, oh, wow, everyone getting shot through this one. Doug Phil's in the mix. The Yonky Tonk Man's still good. This Whoa. is a wide. This is a crazy. This is, they're going like warp speed through that thing, and now we're almost at the end. Is that what it is? I think they normally have a, a longer one. We got Justin Fung in the mix. Yeah, a bunch of people are falling Comet. off. They're not quite making that end jump to this final stretch of the race. They got shot I through. See that cylinder i don't know what you call that thing but there's justin fung he's in first justin fung is our leader right now and he looks like he's got the inside track to go for the win justin fung in the lead comet right behind him oh there's some people losing it and he's definitely slowing down can anyone get shot oh winnipeg jets forever max you're out turd ferguson making a big stretch at the end but justin fung seems to be the leader can he hold on for victory <laughs> he's stuck right no, before he's the finish. Stuck. <laughs> oh he just got in at the end and ernie Thiessen in second for the moose tickets oh the cosmic chaos went uh went quickly everyone well who those who didn't get bounced uh, we're able to get there quite fast uh, but look at this a very tight race everyone coming in here at the end but Justin Fung, our big winner. Heard Ferguson was right in the mix, but Ernie Thiessen. Um, Ernie, are you in the chat right now? Ernie, just let us know if you can use these, um, if you can use these uh, moose tickets. Just want to make sure that uh, our winner can actually attend the game on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, that was, a that was a crazy finish. Justin Fung, they had those little pegs trying to slow him down. He got stuck on one literally right before he was supposed to drop into the finish. But uh, there's, there's... There just... it is. Justin Fung actually in chat almost broke a leg at the end. Um, so anyways, Ernie, are you there? Oh, and Ernie, perfect. Ernie's fired up for the game. Ernie, you're going to get these bobbleheads. I think make sure you go early just to make sure you get them. I'm not entirely sure. Check the Moose website for how they're, uh, how they're giving them out. Uh, but these are awesome. So Ernie, send us an email with your email and I will send you the tickets. Uh, you can send those to winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. And Justin, if you could do the same, just send mm -hmm. us an email with your size and then I'll fire you off a message. If I've got your size right now, you can maybe grab it on the weekend. Otherwise, we're just waiting for our new shipment of hoodies to come in. So we'll uh, put one aside for you and uh, we can have a little pickup. Uh, so congratulations to Justin. Comet, yeah, Comet, you were in. You were in all, all over it. Career high fifth place. So pumped. Ernie's good to go to the game. Justin Fung is our winner. And, uh, and Remo. We got a long weekend coming up with two big games, Edmonton tomorrow, Calgary on Monday. 
And we normally might have done a show on Monday, but the fact of the matter is we would just be basically be doing a pregame show where everything would be dated beforehand. So uh, you know what? Go join the guys on OB. I'll be on OB tomorrow, by the way, with Kelly Moore just after 1 p.m. for a better part of the first hour of the pregame show. Looking forward to that. And then heading down to the game. A much better crowd last night. Really fun atmosphere. Great to see so many more people coming back and just bumping into people again. And um, who knows, maybe a couple of our friends at Boston Pizza after the game tomorrow. Remo, what's on the uh, what's on the agenda for you this weekend? I have uh, the first wedding. Um, a shout out to our guy, Sean Asor, former uh, 1290 employee. He's getting married this weekend. Asor's wedding. Nice. Yeah. I knew that was finally coming. It's been a it's been a process. Uh, they've had to put that one off a they've, couple times. Mm -hmm. But well, hey. A big Winnipeg Sports Talk congratulations to Sean and Mandy for tying the knot. That's phenomenal. I hope it's an indoor wedding. I actually don't. I don't even know. I got the invite. I'm assuming that it is. Well, if it's yeah. an outdoor wedding, dress appropriately. Yeah, and so I guess no show Monday. We'll have uh, have the day off. So I'm looking forward to that. Actually, I do want to point out. I mean, a year we've hit some milestones. We hit a year ago last week of the uh, the shutdown, but. I mean, I got an alert from YouTube today. A year ago, we created the channel. So I guess the wheels were in motion pretty soon after uh, things started happening. Absolutely. You sent me that today, and I just got yeah. thinking back to... So what what day is today? Today's the Today's 17th? the 18th. And so Today's the 18th. It was Feb. And we got whacked on the 9th. So the it 9th. just goes to show you, we were nose to the grindstone <laughs> trying to make this happen pretty much immediately <laughs> after. And of course, March 8th is the big day for the official first anniversary of Winnipeg Sports Talk as we know it now with the first show. Uh, really looking forward to doing some fun stuff that week, uh, welcoming back some old friends, some guests, probably doing some special contests and giveaways. So do us a favor, folks, uh, over the course of the weekend, tell a friend about Winnipeg Sports Talk. If they're on the phone, get on the YouTube, show them how they subscribe, show them how to subscribe on the podcast, bring them in. We continue to grow our uh, crew here each and every day on the program. Um, for fun days like this, big win last night. Can't wait for the game tomorrow. And of course, always support our pals, uh, Kenny and Rennie, Illegal Curve, doing a great job covering the Jets with post-game coverage right here on YouTube after each and every game. Um, huge thanks to the guys today. Really great piece. If you came in late and missed Joe Piscucci, um, really interesting. And we may have to post that separately because uh, I think the Three Down Nation guys will love it. There'll be a lot of interested people in the CFL. On the first black player in Winnipeg Blue Bomber history, Joe did some digging, and I think he's uh, kind of discovered um, a name that hasn't been a household name that maybe hasn't gotten the credit he deserved as being a trailblazer in the Canadian Football League. That was there. Tons of Jets talk with Ken Weeb, and of course a visit from my guy Dustin Nielsen. Pop by the lock shop as well. We just have a new issue, a new episode that we popped in right before yeah. the program. Uh, We'll see if Adam Brooks gets in the lineup. Picked up off waivers earlier today by the Winnipeg Jets. Doesn't sound like Cole Perfetti or Andrew Kopp will be in the mix for tomorrow's game at least. And of course, Nikolai Ehlers still likely a couple weeks away minimum from returning to the club. Uh, another great week, Reem. And now I'm fired up Friday afternoon heading into a long weekend. But uh, I know it'll be a busy week next week. And that Tuesday show will be massive considering the wrapping of the Olympics and two huge games for the Jets home tomorrow against Edmonton, and then a huge challenge heading to Calgary to take on the upstart Flames Monday afternoon. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to uh, see how the Jets perform. Big test against the Oilers. You said Olympics wrapping up too. I know a lot of people asking if we uh, have mentioned Adam Brooks. We mentioned him at the top of the show with, uh, with Weeb as well. 
And we do have a number update, Huss. Adam Brooks will be wearing number 77 for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, so yep. there, there you go. That's been his number. I know he wore it with the Leafs. I believe he wore it with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Never saw him play for the Montreal Canadiens, but uh, that is uh, that it is. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. If you see me at the rink, make sure to say hi. I think I'm downstairs tomorrow in 2.06. Uh, that being said, Monday, big game in the afternoon. Enjoy the day off with the family. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back here Tuesday afternoon, 1 p.m. live on YouTube. And, of course, in your podcast feed just after 3 p.m. for your drive home. Huge thanks to all of our sponsors, Coolbet Canada. Don't forget promo code WST. If you've never deposited there before, we'll give you a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. Canadian Club, Nick and Nicky DQ, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, a special happy National Battery Day to Donnie and the gang. Culligan Water, Vita Health, and F Apparel. Huge shout out to the CTO, Michael Remus, for getting us uh, on the air and looking so good. And uh, to all of our guests, folks, have a great long weekend. Enjoy the games, and we'll see you Tuesday right here on WST. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.